You're listening to the AID Network. Look, it's Disneyland. Hey, friends. You've heard the news. July 17th, the gates of Disneyland are reopening. Nonetheless, on the 65th anniversary, Disneyland since 1955, July 17th has always, always been opened. And this year, we're striving for that same greatness, which means three more episodes left to fulfill my promise of taking you to Disneyland each and every Wednesday. As long as the gates are closed, you can always get back into Disneyland with your friends over at Disneyland for Designers. So I would ask you, if you've enjoyed this wild ride and you'd like for it to maybe continue when the gates reopen, head over to anchor.fm slash Disneyland for Designers where you can become one of our sponsors. Or maybe wherever you're listening today, leave us as many magical stars as possible or leave us a review. These are the ways you can help the show get going. Podcasts that get reviews or get beneficial stars are able to grow inside the algorithms of the different podcast platforms. Help us get as many listeners as possible. And who knows? You and I can keep going to Disneyland each and every Wednesday. What do you say right now? We go to Disneyland with Justin Scar right after this. Hey, Disney fans, do you have a Disney fan brand? Do you like to show your, your fandom by making the limited edition merchandise for you and all of your friends? Or do you like to design a shirt for the family to wear to go out to the park? Did you know that you can do all this and save money and get free shipping by listening to this show? Head over to our sponsor, jackprince.com, where you can get site-wide discounts by going to jackprince.com slash C-O-T. That stands for Circle of Trust, and Jack Prince has been a supporter of Adventures in Design, the AID Network, and the Circle of Trust since the very beginning. And they pass that sponsorship over to you by giving you a discount site-wide. So whatever you're making for your fan brand, head over to jackprince.com slash C-O-T, save some money, get some free shipping, and who knows, maybe you'll discover a product to let you share your fandom with all your friends and fans. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design. And you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. My membership is still pending. No button for me. But that's not going to stop me from loving the park and having a magical day inside of Disneyland. You know, when your heart is too full... When your fandom overflows and you have too much of it inside of you, that's when you decide to become a keeper of the gate. One who shares the magic with anyone and everyone that is willing to listen. Walt started Disneyland with a TV show where each and every week he would tell you the story of Disneyland. And for some of us, we're still telling that story. Folks such as myself and today's guest, Justin Scard, we're still telling Walt's story and we're still telling the story of Disneyland. And today we're doing it together. So sit back, close your eyes, let your ears hear the sounds of the park and let your eyes imagination 
see all the beauties of Disneyland. It's episode 24, Telling the Disneyland Story with Justin Scard. standing here in the Esperanda and I'm waiting for my bud to show up. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful day in June and wait a minute. I see the black and white hat. Oh. I see the Elvis Presley jailhouse rock stripe shirt coming out of retirement. <laughs> it's not the stuffed animal or the, 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 the is it a stuffed animal? Sidekick. It's you? It's a sidekick. But if they're called stuffed animals, right? Oh, that's right. It's a plush. Oh, it's a plush. It's a plush. It's the human at the plush. It's a plush. Justin Scarred. What's up, Mark Bricky? Thank you for going to Disneyland with me Dude, today. Dude, I have wanted to go to Disneyland for so It's been so long. Well, for me, it's every Wednesday. We'll be refreshing our memories together. <laughs> for me, it's been every Wednesday. You should have just came with <laughs> I me. I should have been with you the whole time. You should have been. All right, let's start here. We're standing in the Esperanda. Okay. But I want to know. Where do you want to go? We could we could backtrack through downtown Disney. We could no. take the monorail. You want to go straight through the front oh, gate? Oh, dude, I don't want to go. Dude, when I go to Disneyland, every time I walk through those gates over there into yep. the park, because I want my... Whatever park you go into, your pass will tell the park. Yes. Like, they went to that park today. I want to vote for Disneyland. <laughs> every time I come, it's straight in that gate. Even if we go to DCA later... We got to go in here first. Just to get the swipe. That's the way the magic starts. Just to get the swipe. Okay, yeah. well then let's do this. Let's turn over here. Let's okay. get in line. Let's okay. patiently wait our turn. <sighs> I, I want to know, for you and I, we've got the media pass to get in before the park actually opens up. Oh, we've got the media pass yeah. for once. <laughs> We're never, hey, you and I are never getting the media pass. It's true. Never. Never. Uh, send us a postcard, Max. But <laughs> while we're standing here, I want to know. When you heard that the park was opening up on the 65th anniversary, July 17th. Yeah. Did that surprise you like it surprised me? Surprised me like that it's so soon? Yeah. A little? And only because I think uh, I know Disney's number one thing that's got to be in their head. I mean, I'm sure they care about safety. Don't get me wrong. But I'm Sure. sure the number one thing from a public relations standpoint is... What if we open up and people get sick here? Right. We do not want to be the cause of anybody getting hurt. And more importantly, that's the bad news story. I mean, that's bad optics forever. But I think because other places reopen, Universal and Florida and stuff sure. like that. I mean, even Disneyland. Disney is a huge company. They make tons of money, obviously. But I think people don't realize, like, the park is losing millions and millions upon millions and millions of dollars every day. It just sits there. So it doesn't surprise me. And there's so many people that need to get back to work. And yeah. obviously they do care about their employees. They need to, they Largest employees employer in Orange County. Yeah. And, and all the hotels around yeah. here and all of my friends that work for the hotels have been out of work for weeks and weeks. So Shout out to George. Yeah. So if they can even start in a small way, to me, I, I, I was surprised, but I was like a happy surprise. Like, all right. Yeah, I, I was su- conditional. Yes, right. I mean, it could still be like, sorry guys, it's been a huge spike. We got we got to wait another two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of going day by day because it could get moved back. But this is where I was at, Justin. I was thinking, and this isn't my fault. This, this line is so long. I know it's very. I, for, there's a lot of media here today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. Here's the thing, man. In my mind, I kept thinking. And this is my problem, not Disney's problem. I thought when the park opened back up, 
it would be a celebration and return to normalcy. Right, right. And when they sneak attacked us, because I had people all last week being like, <laughs> hey, do you think it's? Do you think the rumors are true? You think the rumors are true? I'm like, 1% chance. And then it happened that day, and right. I had to go apologize to people, and I immediately showed my Disneyland ignorance. But um, I just, I think emotionally, the park symbolizes normalcy and all good in the world. Right, escape. Fantasy. Yeah. And the fact that it's opening up when things feel a little bit weird. Oh, yeah. It was a little bit of a downbeat and like, man, so even Disneyland now has a cloak of, is it safe for me to do this? Am I being irresponsible by doing this? Yeah, that's tough. It was like that the last week that it was. Were you there the last day it was open? I wasn't there the last day like you were, but I was there that week. And it felt weird. Yeah, it weird. felt weird because felt weird. everyone, when you saw someone you knew there, it was kind of like, oh, do we shake hands? I guess we don't shake hands. No. And uh, I was convinced I had it already, right? I haven't got the antibody test because I haven't, the reliable one isn't close to me. I haven't had access to it yet. But I'm pretty convinced. They're doing those in Tomorrowland today. We can take care oh, of that sweet. today. We'll go get that. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't got that yet. But I, I, So I wasn't too worried. I'm not worried about me particularly. And of course, like, you know, my grandma's not going to shake hands. With, I'm not going to see my grandma for a while, that kind right. of thing. But it did. It did. They would put a little damper on the the fantasy to go. Oh, but we better watch out how close we get to everybody and stuff. So it is a little weird. It is. Although more personal space at Disneyland isn't exactly the worst thing in the world. Well, you know what? The the last time you and I were standing, exactly where we're standing right now, yeah, was about two a.m. July seventeenth, or I'm sorry, January seventeenth. Oh yeah. When we were waiting to get our boarding groups for Rise of the Resistance. That's right. And that anxiety drove me nuts. And my vlog, your vlog was amazing. And in my vlog, there's yeah. a moment where I have bags under my eyes and I'm just going, I hate loving something so much. Because every time they let more people in the park, I'm like, why did we get here at midnight? Right, right. Why did we stand in the rain? <laughs> right. And every time you'd see more happy people I walk in. about the rain. Dude. I Every time you saw more people go through the gate, you're like, "There's my chances are diminishing. Which is stressful about this reopening stuff. Exactly. Because you don't know if you're going to get in the park. I know. So people have been texting me about Disney World's opening, Magic Kingdom opening a little sooner and all that. Are you coming out? Even if you fly out, even if you get a hotel, there's no guarantee you're going to get in the park. Right. It's a, kind of a weird gamble for thousands and thousands of dollars. Although I'm sure what they want is... I'm sure they want all this to be dry runs sure. so that they can figure out how is the social distancing thing going to work. Because if it lasts till October, November, January, if it goes through the holidays, they're going to have to – it's probably going to take a lot to, to figure out logistically. Like how, does, how do you keep people six feet apart from each other? In, is that enough? We'll find out, I guess. Well, and my biggest fear, too, is this is, you know, you and I have this magic piece of plastic in, in our uh, wallets. Go yeah. ahead and grab yours out. We're getting ready to go through the gate, yes. by the way. Oh, yeah. 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 So we have this little piece of plastic that grants, it's a key to the magic. And you and I yeah. can go to the magic 365. That's going to be taken from us. Yeah, I don't know. That's so weird, right? You buy your pass for every day. Can yeah. you go every day? No, because it limited capacity. Guys like you and I that have the everyday pass, I, I feel like we're going to have to get a reservation. We're going to have to try to get inside of the lottery. So they're going to, are they going to put our passes on pause and we'll have to buy tickets? Yeah. And then they'll back over. I us? wish they'd done the lottery like the boarding groups for Galaxy's Edge when it opened, mm. where you could do it online. Yes. And know, all right, if I go there next Tuesday, I will get in. And I will know that I have these hours yeah. at the park. Because as it stands, you and I don't know if we're going to be in there on the anniversary. No. But, or in here, rather. <laughs> but, but, 
we'll try, but wouldn't it be nice if we'd already known? Like, they announced it, we had two or three days away, get the app and try to know, and go, ah, you got in, ah, I got in the next day, or whatever. That'd be so much better. Yeah, and you know... Incidentally, who- though, the, the anniversary is the 18th, not the 17th. Right. I'm one of those people. You're, <laughs> I'm you're, like on TV. You're a purist. Walt and Roy considered it the 18th. That was the first day it was open to the public. The first day all the rides were open. So you don't consider the the preview day no. as the opening? No. When no. people just like Galaxy's Edge or something, when it when it opens like the day before for Harrison Ford and all that, that's not the opening day. The opening day is when we all got in there, man. You know, when you break it down that way, See? in modern times, yeah. it makes sense. So now that we're through the gates, thank you so much, cast member, for letting yes. us through. By the way, so smooth. I didn't even hear them. There's one cast member that works the gate, and I wish I had a photo of him because he looks just like an animatronic from Pirates of the Caribbean. What? I would love to point him out to you. Like he looks like a Pirates of the Caribbean guy, and I love that. Is he a big, tall dude? No, he's like a redheaded guy with a beard, but he just sort of has a. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like one of the pirates. I know what you're talking about. I love that guy. All right, so we're standing in front of the train station. Yes. Which way do you want to go? I always go right? the right way. I always go to the right too. Dude, why? I why th- is that? I don't know. I don't because like somebody said, oh, you do the park backwards. Are you right-handed or left-handed? I'm right-handed. I wonder if left-handed people go the other way. Well, you know, I said I always go to the right, and somebody said you do the park backwards, and I said, what do you mean? They go, well, you're going counterclockwise, but for some reason, right feels right. I don't know that right tunnel, man. That's that's, that's the, the one. That's the one. That's the one. So as we're going through the tunnel, and right when we step right here, we got the gift shop over to our right. Although you know it's weird, they mm-hmm. used to call that the bad tunnel. Really? I can't remember the exact phrase right now, but the the balloon guys, like mm-hmm. all the way back to the fifties, called that the bad side. Like the I can't remember because it was the, bad the for business tunnel or the bad because it was bad for business because less people go through the right and less people exit through the right oh because you know that big floodgate to exit on the other side that used to be open especially way back in the day and yeah. that's where the bus depot was was over there and all this stuff so that was the way most people went out is on the west side that west side tunnel so so we go through the bad tunnel man uh, maybe it's cuz less crowded i don't know dude that's my tunnel i just know that when i come around the corner where we're standing right here yeah And I get that first shot of the square, and I can see City Hall over to the distance. Yeah. And the train's up over my shoulder on my left. Like, I think that this view... That's my favorite. It it just, it takes my breath away every single time. And it's, and what I'm so... It's the opening scene from a movie. It is. And it's also like, welcome home. Yeah. The, The rest of the world now doesn't even exist for however long I'm in here. I I love love this moment. I love it so much. I love that. So in this area that we're in, Main Street, USA, I fully believe is the most perfect land they created. It's had the least amount of renovations to it. Like, they nailed it in 55. Like, they got it completely right the first time. I would love to know, as someone like yourself, who's been to the park now thousands of times, (laughs) Yeah, what's your favorite part about this spot of the park? Main Street? Yeah. Probably probably because... if you look at this, this is one-to-one Walt Disney's goal. Like this is this is like right out of his heart and because why that why this time period? Why the horse meets the horseless carriage? Why gas lamp meets electricity? Why because it's like what was going on when he was a kid, right? Like when Walt Disney was 5 years old, 10 years old, or even like Mary Poppins is set in this time period, this 1910-ish, you know. Yeah. He, he loved this time period so much. So this is like pure Walt 
pure everything good that Disney stood for at this time in the movies and stuff just coming out. It's like Pollyanna. I don't know. I, I think that's a big part of it. Like it's un it's unchanged and uh, not that that was the greatest era in American history or something like that. It's just it was it meant so much to him mm -hmm. that it's like I don't know. You feel that in all the details. I think that what you've really summed up is I think what you like about it is and, and I'm saying like what everybody likes about it is is it's a symbolism of a return to simpler times. Yeah. And I think as you get older and you become an adult, you realize the weight of the world. But when you're a child, <laughs> there's an innocence to things. Yeah. And so I guess in Walt's mind, like this is for Walt, the good old days. Yeah. Because I'm sure, you know, like anyone logically, like we, we would think like the eighties, like, especially like the, you know, the action figure days oh, of our childhood, don't right? get me started. Were like the coolest days That's the other ever. episode. They were better days, but I'm sure for adults at that time, they'll tell you like, oh, so, you know, there's epidemics going on in sure. the inner cities and this was happening sure. and that was happening. But to us, that's the age of innocence. So that's exactly what it is. You hit the nail on the head. It was Walt Disney's age of innocence. Right. But the weird thing is by extension, by coming down the street that we're walking down and looking down <laughs> every single time we come here. Now it's created memories for our grandparents, for our yes. parents, for us, for generations of kids coming through here. And this is their gateway through this weird time period into like all kinds of fantasy and into taking that burden that you were just talking about off your shoulders. I don't know. Something as you get closer to the castle, I, the, the weight on your back, it's lighter and lighter and lighter. Unless there's a parade. And you have to walk through the crowd. That's the only exception. I just always just jump in the parade and start waving. And I just, I just, I just go for it. You're absolutely right. And as you get on this street, a lot of us have seen one or two buildings that look this way. You know, there's old, right. there's an old house in Orange. There's one here. There's one there. But seeing all of this together, I think mentally, it just, it's a great escapism. It, yeah, it takes you away from where we're at. And the fact that it's so perfectly groomed and manicured. That's the other thing too, right? Like when you travel around and go to some town, there's a million towns that, that look like this. All the decorations have fall, long fallen off. Right. No one's taking care of them. You can go to two small towns anywhere and you can tell the one small town, people don't really mow the lawn. There's weeds growing in the sidewalk down the street. And then the, versus the other town where you see people out there, you know, cleaning their, their own streets and taking a lot of pride and like, that's Main Street. Yeah. It's like the, the, the perfect town where everybody cares about each other and knows the neighbors and fixes all the details and the and the shoe shop and the and the, everything's clean. I love that. To me, it's like when I was a child and I would watch black and white TV because, you know, they'd have that out syndicated yeah. reruns oh, yeah. on, on the on the UHF knob. Yes. And those times, and I realize now as an adult, you know, I've watched Mad Men. It was just as messed up then as it was now. Right. But the, through the lens of the TV, there were no divorces. You know, mom was home with the kids. Yeah. There was like this innocence of family and dad called the son sport and Ginny had a doll. And it just, it didn't look like the neighborhood that I grew up in where on the weekends, half of your friends were gone because they had to go stay with their dad. Yeah. And I think that this street represents just like a simpler, easier time that you and I don't know. But just kind of walking down it, it just is such great escapism. And it really does set the tone for everything Man, that's else. It's funny that you say that because I grew up like two blocks, less than two blocks from here. Yeah. And where we grew up in this 
neighborhood we lived over on this street called Hampstead Street. It's a lot. It's nicer now, but the alley that like came into our apartments, and everything like if we had to play down there, my mom always had to sweep up glass. Always, yeah. there was always broken glass every single day. It didn't matter. Somebody came through, smashed something or whatever. It was dirty. You had to be careful. It just that it's an interesting contrast because I did grow up basically right here, but in a whole different world. So coming in this world. Right down Main Street. Yeah, you don't you don't deal with any of that. It's beautiful, and and I love the balloon vendors. There's something about when you walk past that first set of balloons, yeah. normally around refreshment There's corner. Even about the sound, <laughs> and you just see like the balloons and and the the way that the light goes through them, and it's just such a like a great part of it. And I remember that morning that we were doing Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I stood down by the hub. And it was a beautiful cotton candy sunrise that morning. And I have this footage. It really was pretty. It was a beautiful morning. And I have this footage of Main Street at like 545, 615 with the sun coming up. And it's so beautiful. And I thought to myself, if I never get on Rise of the Resistance today, at least I got to see Main Street look like this. I like that. I loved it. I'm sitting now. You just you made me go in a whole reverie about balloons. I should have brought you a balloon. I made balloons. You made balloons? <laughs> yeah, I got balloons printed to like throw in orders for our store and stuff. Well, that's amazing. Just random like pepper them in as long as they last. Just because I thought I want a balloon. Like that's been so. Dude, I love balloons. Like I grew up close to here, so when they they used to do huge balloon releases, they don't do them now because right. I guess you know the string. It, latex balloons dissolve. They're just like a leaf. They're not bad for the environment, but the string is. So I guess they stopped doing that. Anyway, they used to float down to like our house all the time and I'd have this like partially inflated Mickey balloon like the kind without You would the be the kid that would get some of them other yes. kids balloon and it would be like yes we got a balloon and it was like this treasured object it brought so much Dude what is a balloon it's nothing it's air Yeah I mean but it can bring you so much joy and happiness like the balloon is the silliest thing in the world to buy it does nothing for you it doesn't help you but when you see that handful of balloons it, it reminds you of being a kid and just being like, yeah, you know what? A balloon bobbing around, floating around, like can make you so happy. So do you do the D23s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gone to the last three of them. So then two D23s ago, did you see Bob Chapik's story about the balloon for no. the kid? No, oh, no. Get ready. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> a family goes to Disneyland and their son uh, was autistic. And he, he, I believe, I'm kind of doing this off the top of my head. Right, right, right. As I remember, as my heart remembers this tale, the kid wasn't overly audible. He didn't talk a lot. Right. And one of the things that he said, or one of the things that he wanted was he wanted a green balloon when they went to, to Disney. So his parents are looking everywhere, and they cannot find the green balloon. It's all the kid wants at right. his trip to Disneyland. So the mom asked one of the cast members and says our son's here you know explains the situation says we want a green balloon and they didn't have any because they normally don't have them out right only st patrick's day cast member goes above and beyond finds one and doesn't just blow up one does a whole thing of them no goes and finds the family and is holding on to a, a bouquet of green balloons and he told this story about, like, this is what our cast members do for our guests. Yeah. And at the end of the story, they had cast members come in from all the different doors carrying the green balloon or whatever color it was that this child wanted. I was sitting in the audience, face full of 
tears yeah. from this story. And because I've seen firsthand that kind of magic, and Main Street is the spot where the magic feels accelerated, and it is because of that backdrop. And I know that you've traveled internationally to the other parks. Yeah, some of them. And I think that the thing that Paris is lacking, even though it's a beautiful park. Oh, yeah. It's lacking the ancestry of, like you said, this main street now, four generations of, of citizens yeah. have had lifelong vacation family memories here. And when I went to Paris, it was beautiful. And everybody's like, what did you think? I'm like, it just lacked that enthusiasm I, that Anaheim has. I think French people would be the first to tell you that uh, they're, they're just in their culture. Their version of customer service is very different than ours, right? Like you go oh, yeah. to a fancy French restaurant and look at the way the waiters are and everything. But that sort of interaction is very stiff and totally different. To to us, it seems really rude, right? That's why for any Americans, you know, we're like, oh, French people are so rude. But to, to them, we're very uncouth and, and very, like, informal, like, rudely informal, right? And it does, it does make, it does change the, it does change the way Main Street feels. There's tons of good, don't get me wrong, there's tons of good cast members who overcome that and kind of get it, like, oh, I know how to perform as a cast member here, but it lacks the history, mm -hmm. not just of the place where you feel nostalgic for it, but also a little bit with the interactions with the cast members and and they've they're still building a history of that because it wasn't even owned all the way by Disney till recently. Right, right. So they've only had a few years of really trying to train the cast members properly in that that Disney sort of we're in a different world now. Okay. Forget the cares of this world. Yeah. Forget Paris, you know, thirty minutes away. You're now in Main Street and it's a whole different world where people are polite, they're kind, they're infinitely patient, you know. That main street too with the two back exits. Yeah, the, I love that, the arcades. The arcades yeah. that are behind Main Street. That's one of those things that you know you're a hardcore Disneylander when you go there and, and people are like, what do you want to do now? I'm like, I just want to walk up and down the arcades. Yeah. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we're going to go play video games? I'm like, no, I want to walk down walk a hallway. I want to go through the front door of a shop on Main yeah. Street and exit out the back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's so weird. And I want to look at all the theming and stuff. But, dude, your story, that story about the balloon just reminded me of like, my number one thing. Because the, the weird thing is I've seen a lot of people come... When I first start, we're kind of entering this now. With our current events, you're kind of entering another period of people being really jaded. The world isn't good. Stop pretending the world is good. The world sucks, right? Yeah. And that's kind of where we were, I think, after probably after the election in 2012. People just get like that every four years. People sort of get really pessimistic. They want to point out all the problems for good reasons. But when I started doing the show, at filming here at Disneyland, people were like why would grown men care about this you're sort of in that wave the opposite type of wave where we've been for the last couple years where everybody loves disneyland and you uh, shoot your first vlog in disneyland when uh well the the ones that are deleted 2012 the the first one that still exists now probably 2013 spring 2013 so when you first started doing that yeah was any i know that there was people that were walking and just like people doing filming. pov stuff like but was anybody talking in front of the camera like you were I don't think so. I don't okay. think... I mean, my friend Adam had kind of done some similar stuff in Disney World just as an extension of his vlog. Same thing with a few people, but I don't think anyone was really trying to do a show like and, that. And Adam's like me. That I know of, no. Nobody was doing... Not what I'm doing now, not what more people are doing now. Yeah. Yet, in there. 
And Adam's like me. Adam's from the East Coast. Yeah. Florida. Fell backwards into Disneyland. So it was sort of an extension of his like travel. Yeah. Vlog. Well, he got but, banned in Disney World, which well, yeah, we, we, we don't have to go into like this. But <laughs> he came out story. here. We convinced him like, just come out here. It's not going to be the same thing. And then, yeah. But you're weird. born and raised at here. Like yeah, so yeah. Disneyland, like the fireworks are over the top of your home. Yeah. You're catching Every stray night, balloons. That was bedtime. The grand finale was like, you had to be in your pajamas or you couldn't watch the fireworks. And when they were done, it was in the bed. What an amazing... I never want the fireworks to end. More than anybody else, dude, if you grew up in that neighborhood, you have this thing of like, no, they can't stop. That can't be all. It's so funny. You know, one of my favorite things uh, at Disneyland is the cuckoo clocks. There's there's one inside of the Bibbidi Bop. That's right. There's some cuckoo clocks over in Pinocchio. Oh, that's what I was going to tell you, though. Before I lose track, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I got to go backwards. So when I when I started that thing, a lot of people started started to film also, and I noticed real quickly they'd get the forum thing where they get burned out and get really jaded. And people tend to do this; they get compassion fatigue about the thing that they love the most, right? And then they start they they don't know why they don't like it really anymore, but they like it, so they're still. Anyway. Well, you know this from the music industry, right? Get too close to something that you love, and you'll learn to hate it. Yeah, you learn to hate it. So that's what people people do and and people ask me all the time if i ever felt that kind of burnout like don't you get sick of this place don't you get frustrated saying a line doing the same ride over and over and over anytime i've ever felt that kind of frustration or negativity or like yeah the popcorn cart person could have been nicer to me or any kind of thing like that which is such a i know hashtag first world problem and all that stuff we don't worry about that here but i i have always stopped and just sat down on a bench somewhere and gone, okay, well, I'm not going to film anymore today. I'm just going to sit here and just people watch. And, I, dude, you will always see Make-A-Wish kids coming. I've mm. seen them wheeling them in, in where they're literally in hospital beds to mm. put them on the accessible boat for Small World. Literally. I've seen gurneys go around mm. there with IVs. I, you see kids that uh, with alopecia or, like, kids with cancer. And you see all kinds of, like families there from all over the place and you know whether it's like grandpa's grandpa's 65th birthday or whether it's sick kids or and especially the way that they treat um you you know like autistic kids or kids that are different like that and the way that they make this place accessible to everybody and you watch if you watch long enough yes you'll see a grumpy cast member you'll probably see five or ten other people really working hard to make the most frustrated rude guests so happy and trying to take care of their things if you stop and watch there long enough with the intent to see good, you'll see it. And it, and, it, and that balloon story is like, wasn't surprising, but that's what made me think of it, that balloon story, because that's the kind of thing that makes me never get sick of that place because they really do work so hard. As much as it's a business and they do want to make money and sure. you can get jaded about it, they really do work so hard to extend that fantasy to everybody. It's really inspiring. It is. And Disneyland is one of those things that the more... I've loved it the more I feel that it loves me back because there is so much history there and you have to get, you know, yes, they're making money. And as an entrepreneur, I can appreciate how they do that. Yeah. But also like something that's very near and dear to me is when I was growing up, I had uh, two cousins that were down syndrome and my mom and dad uh, in a really weird. Are they the same age as you? uh, They were a little bit older than us. And in a really interesting way, my mom and dad were just sort of like, go play with them. Yeah. Figure it out. And I I came up with, like, at first it was weird because you're a kid and they're very different and they were communicating different. And it became quickly no big deal. And I learned to love everything that made them different. Dude, that's so funny that you say that because it really is exposure that makes 
understanding. It's empathy. You understand yeah. it once you get it. Yeah. And so I've had a lifelong, when other kids at school would make fun of those kids, it irritated me because I yeah. knew what tremendously special people my cousins were and the people that I met because we would go, we got so close to them that we'd go to different events with them. And so what I'm getting at is when I've seen citizens of Disneyland like that, yeah, getting caught up in the magic, it will for sure make me cry every yeah, time. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, dude, I get <laughs> so choked up and I always say, my eyes are sweaty with respect, you know? You know what I call that? <sighs> oh, the magic's leaking out of my eyes right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not crying. A duck spit in my eyes and flew by. But, you know, the thing I I, I really... It do, gets me, dude. It gets me as a as a grown man. Even like I can't, I can't handle it. If you stop and look, it's it, it's one of the dude. This is so applicable to every time. But if you look for evil, you'll find it, right? Of so course. look for the good. And Disneyland is the same thing. If you look for long lines, or you look for for what's the toilet paper in your stall or something, you're gonna be upset. Look for the good, and there's so much good there, like in, in excess of. Of that stuff. What I say to the naysayers, and I have plenty of them, are like, man, you talk about Disneyland on your podcast, but like, I took, <laughs> my kid, I took my kids there and it sucked. Yeah. And this is what I would say to them go to the park with me, see the magic through my eyes, and you might not fall in love with it, but at least, at least you'll, you'll respect it yeah. and you'll understand it. Yeah. So, a question for you I've been to Disneyland with you before. You are a very popular citizen of Disneyland because of all your vlogs and how you've taken it upon yourself over the last eight years to be a conduit of the magic. People all around the country and the world get to go there with you and Allie through your videos. But you've also kind of broke the magic a little bit that it's hard for you to have a quiet moment at Disneyland. So do you still, while we're standing here on Main Street, we have a big decision. Where do we go on the hub? Yeah. But before we make that decision... Can you still grab your favorite spot on Main Street and sit and be in the park and be left alone for 20 minutes? Uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, right? Like if I just sneak in there, like if, like uh, there's certain times of the year where most of the passes are blocked out and like it's people from, not really, but it doesn't really, I don't let it get to me anymore. There was, there, there was a time though where that was really frustrating, mostly because if I was in there with a the camera, I couldn't get the job done. Right. Because I'd have to talk to so many people if I, if I stopped and talked to, because I don't know how to just be like, cool, thanks. That right. feels really weird to me. Do you so feel I'd like you have to everybody right and talk to everybody for so long, even if they stop me every day and it's the yeah. same person? So then I just started getting really frustrated. Like, how am I supposed to film here? Because I spent like four hours just dealing with talking to people. I didn't have enough time to finish the video. And then I would start to try to ask people, like, "Hey, if you see me with the camera, can you please not?" And then they were getting upset, and I didn't know why they were upset. And then after a long time, I figured out like, it's cool to just say hi. Oh, guys, I gotta gotta keep going. And even if you have to say hundred say it five to 500 different people i realize like wow if i if i just stop i can make somebody else happy like there's no reason to get stressed out so now it doesn't bother me as much so i would say yeah i can kind of people will still talk to me but it but it doesn't bother me i'm like hey how's it going it i've always ever since i grew up being in a band and stuff like when somebody is excited to meet me yeah i immediately feel the pressure to entertain them. Yeah, well, that's a problem, and right? I don't know how to turn that off. That's an entertainer thing. So when people come up, and then they want you to be all the way on. So let's say if I had a death in the family, my uncle died or something, and I wanted to go to Disneyland to just relax. No, if, if. I'm saying it. I'm sorry your uncle died. That's <laughs> Okay, <sorry>. yeah. <laughs> but thank you for still going to Disneyland with me. <laughs> right? Today. So I want to come in here. 
and I just want to sit and hear the music and the popcorn. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that anymore because I couldn't without someone talking to me and then I would feel like I really needed to keep talking to them and whatever. And I've tried to do it and then just tell people really honestly, like, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer, you know, like, you know, so-and-so just died or whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh. And then it makes it worse, <laughs> you know, because now I'm bumming them out. So I don't want to do Thanks that. Thanks a lot, Justin. We came here from Australia and now yeah, you're bumming us out. It is weird. It's a little weird, but it's okay. Something that I feel... The, the balance of being able to make people happy is better than sure. than the inconvenience. But at the same time, it is a weird learning curve of trying to like, how do I acknowledge people and make them feel like I do care about them and I am so stoked, but I do just kind of want to go to the, I just want to go to the bathroom. Like, can I just go to the bathroom? You know? Right. <laughs> the thing that I, I, I sometimes feel bad for you because, you know, like, I have an incredible understanding of what you do. Dude, I'm just glad I'm not actually. Can you imagine if you're actually famous? Oh. It must be impossible. Like, you can't just pull your car over and go into McDonald's and pee if you're Brad Pitt. Like, what do you do? I mean, I guess you have you have other things in your life that make up for the fact that you can't pee in the McDonald's. But, like, you, you couldn't. You couldn't go anywhere. I mean, at least when people see me, they're like, hey, I like your videos. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the God's honest truth, though. It's never the people who've never seen you before that get irritating. It's the only time I ever do kind of inside, I'm just being totally honest, get irritated, is when it's someone I've seen over and over, and every time that you see them, because they live there, they've seen you, you're not a novelty to them, they're not excited, they don't want a picture or anything like that. They just have nothing else to do, and they see you, and they just want to talk for, like, you can't escape. And you're like, well, I'm just really busy. i got to go over here, and you can't escape. And people that have never seen me are coming up like, dude, can we get a picture of something? And this person's still, like, dominant. It's just that personality type, but that would be, sure. be irritating anywhere. Yeah, and, and there are those people who's like, you're not taking a hint. i got to go. Yeah, and I, I don't want to be mean to them. You know? I, know, I don't want to hurt their feelings, but I'm like, dude, I talked to you for two hours yesterday. Nothing's changed since yesterday. <laughs> I just really want to walk over there. So the thing I was going to say <laughs> that when I watch your videos, I understand <laughs> I understand your videos in so many different layers. None of those people are here today. This is just a great open day. Look, no one's bothering me. See, Mark, it's Social cool. distance media day. <laughs> yeah. When you're doing your videos, whether you're here in our park or you're out at World and East Coast or you're over in Paris, it makes me sad for you that it's like you're always racing against time. You're just yeah. always like, man, I'd love to go over there, but, well, we're short on time. Right. And you make long videos, but I understand that when you have the camera up and you have a shot list and you're trying to cover something, you do feel the TikTok of the time. And when you yeah. do the after-hour parties, I almost I, get the, I, dude, the sweats watching you try to get it on. really bad <laughs> doing those sometimes. That's why a lot of times people are like, how come you didn't do it? And I'm like, I just couldn't. It, they've added so much to that, and I'm like... How do you come at it? You can come at it from the like, hey, come with me and I'll show you what I'm doing thing, but I, which I try not to do so much. Or it's like covering it as a, almost like if you're covering it as a journalist, you want to show all the different events that right. are happening or whatever. And especially when it's a one-time thing and it's four hours and there's 80 things to do and e the line for each thing. I wish they would do a better job of... Disneyland could solve that. They, I wish the one thing I'll say is I wish they do a better job of like if there's C-3PO and R2-D2 taking pictures with people for Star Wars night or whatever and there's a, a three-hour line, I wish that they would create a little area for each photo shoot where you could go kind of walk in and just see it, take a picture from the side. If Even if you didn't want to wait in line to, to get that photo with them. Because like, for example, the Ewoks last time. Or that the, was crazy on 80s night. Uh, or the, what else did they have? The last Star Wars one. I can't remember, but yeah, 80s night, there was one. What was the photo shoot uh, that was 
in the bottom part of the Starcade, what used to be the Starcade back then. Wasn't there was the Hoth scene in there? Yeah, and, and yeah, there yeah, was yeah. the Ewoks. Or, and I couldn't get in that room. No, I couldn't, even, I couldn't get either. In even to film it or even to show it. And it was like I wish they had created another line that was just sort of the walk through, take a pic from the side. They do that at, like the Halloween stuff all the time. If you're not in the trick or treat trail, you could sort of walk along the side at the Oogie Boogie Bash and stuff, and that was great. I wish they'd do more of that because I feel like then the frustrated guests would be less frustrated because they go, at least I got to see everything, right? Like I got to see Wally or whatever. I just walked up the side, took a look. I also felt like for 80s night, it, there was everything was so spread out. Yeah. That I felt like they could have maybe shut down half the park and kind of kept it more condensed, you know? But yeah. I, and it, it, I mean, maybe I'm not the or brightest. put the themed stuff in like one area. Yeah, it'll right. Keep the rides open wherever. But yeah, I, I totally get that. It is. It's really spread out. Yeah, and I'm, I was like, it took me a while to realize, like, oh, every land is celebrating what from that land is right. from the eighties. Like, it, it just took me a minute to kind of figure out because it was so like it's other weird. themed and and hard to figure out. This is where the empathy helps because I because some people were really frustrated. Like, I couldn't do everything, and I'm mad. But I, I try to think, okay, well, if I was working for Disney and planning an event, do I want to throw an event where it's like, okay, let's make sure everybody has a chance to do everything? Or is it, I want there to be so much rad stuff, so many cool photo ops, so much, you know, dance parties or whatever they do, so much decor, so much everything that you're never going to have a chance to do it all. That no matter what, you're going to leave with like, wow, I want more, right? It's, it's a weird thing. I, I do. If you want to give everyone every song from every album you've ever done, and right, and make them satisfied and full, or do you want to leave them wanting more? It's so I'm like, okay, I kind of get it now. That was the great thing <laughs> about that thing you do, where as Tom Hanks is the band manager for yeah. for the O'Neaters, right, right, was just always like he trained them. Always leave the audience yeah. wanting more. Smile and run. You run <laughs> off that stage. You know, though, um, I do advise to anybody who's listening to this that's not a local. If you can work it out when the park gets back to normal, those after-hour events are such so a great going. way to get a VIP experience. Yeah. I should at a say value. they're hor- They get they get anxious to film, but when you go there to not film, if you go there as a civilian to have fun. They are the best. Some of my best Galaxy's Edge footage was I had it all to myself. I yeah. was literally oh, the yeah. only person I saw in parts of Galaxy's Edge for a long time while I was doing some filming. If they did those nights out here on a regular basis, the way they do in Magic Kingdom in Florida, I might not have an annual pass anymore. I might just pay for just live to on those? those nights and then pay the odd ticket whenever I wanted to go in any other time. Because the after hours nights are so good. They really are. Like, lines it's such are a good. bonus. I, except for the, obviously, the photo ops are like, the one-time only photo op. Ah, the lines for the rides are, like, great. There's, there's, ah, man. At Disney World, they do free snacks. I mean. I've seen that. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, the thing that surprises me, though, and, and there are parts of Disneyland that I get that the mainstream fans love, and there's other parts of it that doesn't we make sense We got to go left, me. by the way, when we get up here. You want to go over to we Adventureland? Go, we have to go that way. Adventureland or I Frontierland? I always go counterclockwise that way. We can start in Adventureland or Frontierland if you want, but I just always have to hang well, Which left. one you want to go to? I got to go in the right tunnel, down Main Street, and then I got to hook to the left. I don't know why. That's interesting. I read a thing that said most people go to the right into into Tomorrowland first in the morning. So Tomorrowland is usually the most crowded in the morning. They circle all the way back, and then Tomorrowland gets really crowded at night. Hey, Tomorrowland, home of the best so breakfast weird. sandwich at Disneyland. Whoa, where's that? So if you go over to where they used to do the uh, Are you hungry? Path of the Jedi. You want to go that way? We can go that <laughs> way if you want to go. go. I'm just saying my instinct is to go left. 
So for me, I always go to tomorrow because I'm like, I'm going to get the worst over with. And then it's going to build. Right. That makes sense. It's going to build. So <laughs> over uh, where they do the dances and stuff, yeah. uh, Galaxy Grill, they have a breakfast sandwich. Well, let's go that way then. They have a breakfast sandwich where you get uh, a roll. It has an egg patty on it. It has a sausage patty on it. Oh. It has a hash brown on it. Oh. It has cheese over all of that. And then it has bacon on top. Next time you get that, ask them if, if there's a gluten-free version because I might need that. In my life. Speaking of gluten-free version, yeah, I I gotta have you come back to to the homestead because my wife is a certified gluten-free. Really talked to her. I met her. Did I meet her a designer con for no. like five seconds? No, she no? wasn't there. No, maybe I just looked up her account after meeting you. But yeah, yeah, I told she's you to like go there. An expert, right? She's an expert, and this I know you love the chicken fingers. Yes, this is what I got to offer you. Okay, homemade chicken fingers. Where when my wife makes the gluten-free batter that goes around them, yeah. it's part like the cornstarch and stuff like that to make it feel battery that you guys can eat right, it. Right. But she also, to just make it a little special, smashed up pork rinds. What? Yeah. It's phenomenal. Okay. It is phenomenal. We bought a deep fryer. We, dude, that's <laughs> my only like positive thing in quarantine, but also becoming a negative thing. I'm getting a little top-heavy. Oh, I've said it several times <laughs> on the show. I put on the COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> so in Tomorrowland... As we're standing here. <laughs> That's good. You're not going to steal <laughs> Yes. Tomorrow. Coming in. You Look have. This Astro Orbiter. What a sight. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you have a deeper history with Disneyland than I do. I don't really have. When's the first time you came here? Are you going to embarrass me on my own show? Well, because you grew up where? Tennessee? Kentucky, close. No, yeah, Kentucky. That's right. Okay, I was very close. Uh, that, that's fighting words. Down there. <laughs> what? How dare you? <laughs> the border of Kentucky and Indiana. We call it Kentucky. Oh, that's, right. that's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, a little city by the name of Louisville. So, yeah. First time I would come to Disneyland would be 2011. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Still yeah. though. Yeah, and I, I would, just didn't know when you moved here. 2013. Okay, okay. I got a pass March 2013. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Over 500 visits since. That's awesome. Crushed it, crushed it. So explain this to me. (laughs) As somebody who's close to my age, who was raised out here, what was the best years of Tomorrowland for you? Like, what what is your memory of it? Probably right after Star Tours opened. Okay. Like, so I'm I'm old enough that when I was a, like a baby like really small and my parents came here I could go on uh, Adventure 3 Inner Space but I don't remember it at all I have absolutely no memory I was too little so I don't know when Star Tours came 85 80, 85 I think I believe so I was still really little but those were like the best years the people mover was still here mm. the sky was, so these tracks you know had people movers moving around on them people the were looking down energy. shouting things down you know like uh, this Astro Orbiter thing wasn't in the way, so the rockets were way up there spinning around. It looked just like it did in 68. Like, uh, when Tomorrowland changed, right after Walt died, and they put that new Tomorrowland, which was sort of the last Tomorrowland he ever got to work on, that had all that motion. It looked just like that. You had the monorails, you had the submarines, they were yellow then, uh, the people mover, the buckets. I mean, everything was moving. It was like such, so, like, ah. Uh, I don't know what the, I'm looking, missing a word for my vocabulary. They call it kinetic energy. Yeah, yeah there you go, oh, kinetic. Design. It was just yeah. so much kinetic energy going around. You felt, even when you were stuck standing in line, which the line for Star Tours was really long then, even before you got in the standby building, even before you got in the queue, uh, even standing in line there as a kid, even standing outside waiting to get in Space Mountain was like, 
whoa, look how much is going on. You still felt like you were a part of it. Mm. And I think they lost that after... I mean, the Skyway probably had to go. I guess it was sort of outdated from their point of view, you know, whatever. Uh, the people mover didn't really have to go, except that they thought they were going to replace it with those rocket rods. Great attraction. Which was, if it had worked, that was a cool ride. You rode the rocket rods. Yeah, everybody wants to diss on it because it killed the people mover, so I want to diss on it too sometimes because it killed the people mover. I think the people mover was But was, was the rocket better. rides fun? Yeah, it was. When it worked, it was super fun. It was just too short. Yeah. So it was like a good idea that just didn't work. So do me a favor. It's just too bad they couldn't have gone back, right? Yeah, but they broke it in the yeah. process. So you're a great storyteller. One of the things that Justin's done during the pause-demic is he created a time machine. And yes. he's taken many of us that follow him over on YouTube at Justin's Guard. He's taken us back to the park in the 50s. And when you look at that simpler time of Tomorrowland and the mid-century modern, uh, sort of that optimism for the future yeah. that... You know, SpaceX is kind of putting back into us. When you look at that version of Tomorrowland, to me, it looks like like a miniature village. Like it looks like a model more than it looks real. So, somebody that never got to experience that, and you got to experience it in its last wave. Fifties Tomorrowland, or are you talking about the sixties one? Well, I'm talking about the the Tomorrowland of your. Oh youth. yeah, okay. Yeah, it was yeah. the the last hangover of that moment. Yeah. What was it like to do the rocket ride? It really was too, because that. It came the year before man finally reached the moon. Even. Yeah. So we're, you're talking like the fever pitch of space race optimism. Right. And and that Tomorrowland comes out. Well, we still thought we had that brightening, bright shining, mid-century version of the future was coming. Yeah. So you rode the the rockets when they were up high in the air, right? When you had yeah. to take the, oh, dude, when you had to take the astrovo- astronaut elevator up to it. So scary. It looks so crazy high. Because you know how, you know how, like, if you get in the astro orbit, it's the same type of rocket. Like, when it's tilted when you get in, yeah, and it, when it goes high, it's tilted the other way, it feels like you're going to fall out of it a yeah. little bit, especially when you're a grown-up, but when I... I I think that gave me my fear of heights as a kid. That and the sky buckets, you know, my dad shaking them, and then the the rocket, like the the seatbelt had to go around you. So it was always my dad, my brother, and me. So I'm in the middle. My brother's leaning forward to do the stick, and my dad's leaning back, and I'm in the gap where there's no seatbelt touching me. I was just always terrified I was gonna fly out of the rocket somehow, dude. <laughs> it's like just like traumatic, but also good memories. <laughs> it's like a weird mix of trauma and happiness, dude. When I stand over here by my favorite attraction, <laughs> Launch that Bay. called Trauma and Joy? <laughs> there should be. <laughs> when I stand over here by my favorite attraction, Launch Bay. Oh. And and I I mean, it's it, this is the best, dude. Yes. I've been waiting for Star Wars in the park forever, <laughs> and here it is. Now, when I stand by Launch Bay and I look up at all that junk that's sitting on that platform. Yeah. I go in my imagination and think, but to be eight years old. And to take that astronaut's elevator yeah. up to the platform and then to get on that beautiful red and white chuck wagon looking rocket and to take off and to go into circles. It Amazing. Felt like, it felt like you were like it was serious business. Yeah. Up there like to a, to an eight year old. Yeah. Then when you got in it, it was like you were flying your X-wing. Through the oh. Death Star trenches or something. It felt oh. so important. Like you were doing something amazing. We're on a mission here. It was awesome, man. It had that vibe to I it. I did not have that feeling about Mission to Mars, though. It, it made like no impression on me my whole life. Like, wait, we sit in the chair, we watch the thing, we go to Mars. Boring. I got to be honest. Like everyone's like, oh, I miss it. I miss it so much. And I'm like, I forgot when they even took it out because, 
when they let's put it this way when they put pizza port in there mm -hmm. i didn't even connect that mission to mars was in there because i just i avoided mission to mars so hard like 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 the intellectual part of me understands why it was gray when it was rocked to the moon and became mission to mars but i just as a kid i was like huh well, you're not moving. Yeah, I'm not. We're not moving you're around. Not, it's like, a show. Space it's, Mountain is right over here. Yeah. Get me on Space Mountain. Too Let's much talky talky. Yeah. I need some action. Right, right. Even when they did the stitched one at Disney World, it was like those are cool animatronic things. But I, we're just sitting here. Like I don't. I'm just not a sit guy. Like I can't tell you how many times I've been in the theater at DCA. Three times. I I don't. I'm not a big show guy. I. I Hate Broadway shows. Yeah, but I will stop dead in my tracks. I like the for songs a, sometimes; they're cool. I will stop dead in my tracks for a Disneyland nighttime show like Fantasmic. Yeah, Fantasmic. I can't is awesome. walk past it. When when you could always get standby for Fantasmic before they changed the whole thing, and you could always go by the little smoking dock on the other side and right. always have a place to watch it. I watched it every time. Now I'm like, well, if they say keep on moving, I guess I got to keep moving. But otherwise, yeah, Fantasmic is a weird exception. I don't know why. That show gets me. It, it's so good. And what I love... You see parades, too. Do you stop for parades? Or are you like, eh? They, they stopped me dead on my tracks. Really? They, I didn't realize this about me, Justin, but the World of Color, the parades, the fireworks, Fantasmic, I feel like that is the, the quickest hit off the magic. I think... <laughs> the quickest hit off the magic. <laughs> I, I think some parades, like the Main Street Electrical Parade, I would have stopped anything for. But I have Sensational, man, when it went, I was the happiest person in the world. Everyone was like, whoa, no, Sensational. Like, Dude, if I never have to hear Sensational again, come on, come I'll on. be so happy, man. I've seen it, eight, but I've seen it 18,642 oh, times. But that Mickey you know. Mouse playing the snare drum? That was cool. That I would stop for every time. I got to be honest. Drum playing Mickey was pretty awesome. And then when they did the Mickey Mouse wood yeah. pull toy after him yeah. for the for his birthday. Yeah. I, and you know, I don't watch. The, All right, you got me admitting. Yeah. I don't true. watch the movies. I'm not a Disneyland movie. You know what's funny though? As I say this, any I just want to qualify it really quick. Anything that I say like that, like oh, yeah, I'm not a big guy in the parades or the show or the Frozen show or whatever. But if you get me to sit still and watch it. I'm all, I always like it. I always have a good. I'll watch Mickey and the Magical Map and I'll enjoy it. It's just I'll never make the choice to go. You don't and go out sit. of your way, right? right. I right. just don't do that. But once it's on and I'm cruising past, it, I'm like, come on, man! I'm not so cool right. that I can't stop and right. watch World of Color. Yeah. You know, as soon as I hear that, Walt Disney presents, I'm like, well, World of Color, you can't even help. <laughs> like, uh, where are you going to get away from? It's it? true. It's <laughs> everywhere around you. 360 experience. But, you know. <laughs> I don't watch the Disney movies, and that makes people mad when I say that. But my affection for all of this—you mean like the the 3D movies, or the old ones, or just any movies? Any of them. Oh. I, I'm just not a—it's not my genre of film. And, okay. And you know, a lot of people criticize me about that, but you're more uh, of a Scorsese fan. Yeah. Other f other friends are yeah. like, you know, love that my connection to these properties is through Disneyland, and so like I only know. Yeah. Cars as a place in Radiator Springs here in California. Like I, I know that oh, is that's that. That's funny. And my connection to Mickey Sensational is I had never seen the movie Tangled, but I would get a lump in my throat every time the Princess Float would come by. That here. song is great. And last I they ruined that song in Phantasmic, by the way. Oh my god! That what song were they thinking me. about? And you know, in Phantasmic, how they ruined. The melody of that song, so people couldn't sing along. It's like, what are you doing? Why would you just that one part? The other rewrites to Fantastic were great. It's just what the heck. Anyway, but yes, that song is really good. That was my favorite thing about the. Well, it's because my kid's thirteen, 
So I think that's why. So I, you're in that. Window. I had to go rewatch a lot when all those Pixar movies started coming out. First, I was watching just whoa, mind blowing Pixar, right? And right. then he was born. 2007, so Cars on DVD was a was a natural choice, you know. So I got roped in to a slow hole. down. But before we're not that, racing yet. I don't think I ever saw Pocahontas or The Hunchback of Notre Dame. There's a whole era of Disney movies that I didn't watch. I was I was I wouldn't watch other movies. So it's funny you movies. say Pocahontas because that's I haven't seen that movie. Yeah, I don't think I've still seen that entire movie. But the musical number in World of Color. Yeah. Lump in my throat. Right. It's such a powerful song. And the irony, the reason why I don't watch these movies is I hate musicals. And But the music gets me when I'm just living my life. It's weird because I like musicals. Like old-timey, you know, like Carousel or uh, Rose Rogers and Hammerstein musicals or something. Or like Sound of Music or something. I like them in theory, but I don't always. It's like the it's like the show thing. I was, I don't want to sit down and watch them. If you force me to sit down and watch a musical, I'll always leave and go. That was pretty cool, but there's a lot of bad musicals. Like let's be honest, dude. There's a lot of like I'm thinking and walking, and now I'm walking, thinking and walking, and thinking and walking. We're and stuck and at walking. the hub. Yeah. We haven't picked the land. Right. We're talking about everything that we see in front of us. There's Walt. There's Mickey. There's a castle. There's a moat. The moat's too small for a boat. The moat's too small for a boat. Right. If we were talking Tiny, we could be in a boat, but then we'd have to look out for ducks. Yes, quack, quack, perfect. quack, quack. So ducks perfect. are all around us. Don't feed them popcorn. We're going to go over to the popcorn cart. We hope to get a limited edition one. This bucket, this bucket. Right. I've waited for this bucket. I could go all day. Right. And it's, and it, those, that's lame. I can't, you know. Yeah, that's that's not me. Okay, so let's do this. But I love 1776, though. I love certain, certain ones are great, but other ones are like, really? It, I, I, I like, though... And you're a musician, so that's really funny. <laughs> the, the thing that's interesting, or the thing that I like, though, is that I go to Disneyland and I discover these <laughs> properties through the park. And, yeah. that, and that becomes my relationship with them. So when Paint the Night <laughs> begins and I hear the song from Wreck-It Ralph, yeah. to me, my memory of Paint the Night is a AP preview standing in front of the Disneyland Railroad. Everybody was waiting for the new parade to start. We were kicking off the 60th anniversary. And that was one of those nights where everybody in the crowd were annual pass holders. They're all locals. And you became friends with all the people around you. And kids were playing. Just one of those good vibes nights. Kids were playing in the streets and the cast members were getting people to cheer and stuff. And then when that Owl City song started, every hair on my arm stood up. And, And as the 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 cars part of the parade came early in the parade. My dad that was a, my favorite part. My dad's a truck driver, and seeing Mac, who I didn't even know his name was Mac, seeing the the semi yeah. go down Main Street and kids waving at a semi, it made me think of my dad. It made me think of the going on the road like with my dad. This yeah, the, the, the yeah. and it just it. I love that. That's my memory of that song. It's not tainted by well, I didn't really like the movie or the guy yeah, at the movie see, talk. That's cool. So it, it's all proprietary to the park. All right, we're in. We're in Tomorrowland. We knocked it off of our list. Bye. I, I. I have to ask you this. We didn't go in your favorite attraction. I'm sorry. I just. Which one was that? Did the launch bay? Uh, well, you know, I have to ask you, are you from a time that you could remember when that was the Carousel of Progress? Uh, no, no. When I was little, it was still America Sings. Okay. But I don't, I have only like the faintest, you know, I know America Sings now. I've watched it 
filmed a million times. Right. But I um, no, I think Carousel Progress was gone in the seventies, early seventies. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things I think will be interesting when we look back on the history of Disneyland, because you mentioned Star Tours. Star Tours and then Indiana Jones. Yeah. I think that those two attractions will be looked at, and I've said this before, but I'm really kind of fascinated with how those two attractions are going to be at the 100-year anniversary of the park. That's the bridge between old Disneyland and new Disneyland. Yeah. And to be around when that transition was happening must have been really magical because not only do you remember being a kid and loving the opening of Star Tours, but you had to been off your your mind. Star Tours was weird because Star Tours was like this weird aberration. Mm -hmm. Like every, except for the treehouse, which was for the Swiss Family Robinson movie. It's basically a movie prop in a way. Yeah. Or set. But the Star Tours was such a weird aberration because it wasn't Disney then, you know, Mm -hmm. which is weird that there are now kids who don't. They don't know a time when Star Wars and Disney weren't the same thing, right? Right. But it it was very non-Disney feeling, Star Tours. So it was this weird, like, whoa, they put this attraction in here. But I love Star Wars, so why wouldn't I love it? Dude, when they added Indiana Jones, it was like, they're doing it again? Like, it was so awesome. It was like, yes! Dude, it makes sense that Disney bought Lucasfilm. Because even back then, people were like, yeah, it's like the only company that could take something Lucas did and do it it justice. Well, it had the same amount of magic behind Dude, it. Dude, and Indiana Jones, that ride, like, they they cut off a whole part of the Jungle Cruise for it, mm-hmm. which very few people remember. They changed the whole outside of Jungle Cruise. I mean, they completely changed Adventureland for it, but they did it so well. I still say that's the best cue, even including Rise of the Resistance, that's the best cue anywhere. Like, that that queue, that, that just descending into the jungle. I mean, I wish all of Adventureland just had paths like that line has for Indiana Jones. Oh. Before you even got on the... I, even if you didn't even know... I'd never seen Temple of Doom to that point. I think I'd only seen Last Crusade. And it was like I was too young to yeah. watch Temple of Doom. I think I'd seen Raiders too, But I didn't have, like, such a huge attachment to Indiana Jones over other stuff. You know, Ninja Turtles or whatever at that point in my life. But Dude, by the time you got on the ride, they did such a good job of like getting you psyched about the storyline and Mara and the things. As I, I was like, I think I was like eleven or twelve. I was like right in that sweet spot before the teenage pessimism, dude. Where I was right. like, yes, like, dude, that was epic. That pathway when when you're going and coming, more so when you're coming back, and you, you realize gone that way. I told you. You're right. <laughs> I, I have messed this trip up. Now we're just walking up. around past the Matterhorn talking about Adventureland. Uh, you know, <laughs> the Matterhorn is such a special attraction. <laughs> if if the Matterhorn would have gone that a different way. Yeah, <laughs> I heard him. Yeah. If, if the Matterhorn would have gone a different direction, the whole park would forever be different. Oh, and yeah. I was looking at an old Herb Ryman illustration where the Matterhorn was going to be more of like a village and less of a spectacle. Yeah. And I was thinking about, man, it would look so different if Sleeping Beauty was next to Mountain Peaks versus what we right. got. It would have changed the whole dynamic. It's so, so and awesome. I like miniature stuff. Like, I appreciate the design of Disneyland versus Magic Kingdom in that it is a miniature thing. Actually, I've been spending the last five days, this is a whole separate topic, doing a, trying to make a miniature like railroad scale building. I've never done it before, so I was just like, I want to try building a building out of wood. So I got glue all over my hands and stuff. Like building a model. Yeah, like building a model, but like a little model building from like a kit of wood with saws and stuff. Mm. 
But so I've always like miniatures, like like miniature golf courses, like the actual scenery. I don't want to play the game. I just like want to look at all the little well, hey, stuff. While we're standing here, you want to go over and do the storybook? That's what we should do. We should head that way. See, yeah, storybook land. Exactly. Let's hit it. I love miniatures, but. The combination of the miniature castle, the miniature main street, the miniature cars, because people don't even realize the bus and the fire engine, those are miniature cars. They're not full scale. Yeah. And if you, but then now all of a sudden you add this huge mountain in there. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I Like the scale's consistent, right? Because it's still a huge, I mean, it's still a miniature for a mountain. But the interesting thing of, about why Matterhorn is so important is and, and they did this again across the way in California Adventure. Is and I tell this when oh, I take with the Wolf Peak. Well, no, it doesn't yeah. look like a bear. Yeah. When I take <laughs> when I take people, does it look like a wolf to you or a bear? I know this is a sidetrack. I'm sorry, but it always looked like a wolf to me. When I've they were seen building the, the park, I watched them build the park and went, "Cool, Wolf Mountain." <laughs> and then when they open, it's like Grizzly Peak. I'm like, "Oh, I guess so." <laughs> like, it's funny that that was supposed to be the icon of that park. Yeah, it's all covered up. You can't even see it now. Like the first brand, first wave of branding, it was like that was going to be the thing. Yeah. That was going to be the thing. And quickly they realized that was not the yeah, thing. Yeah, that was not the thing. But the reason why that attraction is so important for uh, California Adventure, why Matterhorn is so important here. And when I bring somebody from out of town and they're, I'm kind of giving them the, the lesson of Disneyland, and it feels weird telling this to somebody like you who's an expert, is that Matterhorn is a very, very sophisticated fence. And it, it's a wall that yeah. keeps Fantasyland full of fantasy and Tomorrowland full of the optimism of the future. This property of this mountain, it creates the best sight line. Whatever side you're on it, that's the story that you believe. Yeah. And the spine is... It, the spine of it is Sleeping Beauty and Main Street and or, on the, genius because... or on the other side, the body of water, right. the lagoon. Is so it, it's perfectly placed. It, perfectly, it is because... It means nothing to you in Tomorrowland. It's like, cool, a mountain. It doesn't ruin anything. No. But in Fantasyland, it totally adds this whole charm of the Swiss Alps and the whole thing. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's too bad they never quite figured out how to do that in Frontierland, except for they have that Matterhorn-shaped tree. Yeah, which eh, is... Sight. You need to probably cut that tree down. It's a little tall. <laughs> well, as we're on the storybook land, right, and we're doing the boats. Yeah. Do you prefer the boats or do you prefer Casey Jr.? At night, Casey Jr. Dates, yeah. I would prefer the boats if we could always be this socially distanced in the boats. It's just me and you in the boat. The problem they is... They looked at me and they go, he knows how to drive a boat. Right. The problem is, is normally they jam 20 people in here with us and you're really cramped. You can't really turn your knees. You can't turn your whole body yeah. around. That... This is the kind of thing where I say some more social distancing in the Disney parks would not be a bad thing. In Florida, they don't do it here. They respect personal space a little more in California, but in Florida, especially in, in Europe... They'll cram strangers, like gr two groups of three strange, into one row in Pirates. Like, they will cram you in. That's unfortunate because you need to be able to swivel your head on those rides. Right. Unlike an Omnimover that's moving for you right, right, and framing the scene, you got to turn your head to see Mr. Toad's house, or you got to turn your head to see the little village over here. So I like the social distancing. That's why I like Casey Jr., because you got a bench, you can turn your head. But I like the boats. Because you have time to absorb the... You're low, and you can really yeah. see. I just wish the ducks were to scale. Yeah. Right. The ducks are always... Whenever they're the... sitting on the, the... the What's that called over there? The the little park where... Oh, like, yeah, the little yeah, middle... The little strip of green yeah. right there. I love like, that. It's London's whatever park. But the, the thing that I love about this attraction is it's it's so basic in its construction, right? Yeah. It's, it's boats going through a man-made creek. 
around miniatures and models. Yeah. This is one that maybe me and you could put a Kickstarter together and build in the backyard. Right, right. But it's so great combined with, once again, the kinetic energy. That's part of what's charming about it, too, though, isn't it? Yeah, like, for oh, sure. Yeah, I could do this. And it also, it feels like 1955. Yeah. But there's a couple of views. When you come around the backside and you can see Casey Jr. going over the bridge, you're, you're framed by Matterhorn, yeah. all the trees that keep the Fantasyland Theater out of our vision to the left. Yep. It, it, it is such a great, quiet spot of the park, perfectly manicured, and at... The holidays, when you can start to see those small world Christmas bulbs yeah. through the shrubbery, and you know that something special is waiting for you over there, oh, that's amazing. You know what else? It smells old right there. Mm. There's something nice about Disneyland. It adds new stuff. It's exciting. But there's something really, and they've been talking about getting rid of Storybook Land for a while now. And I hope it never happens because I get that it's right in that direct path right. to go back. So if they want to expand in that Fantasyland Theater area and add more rides, it makes a lot more sense to carve a brand new path over to that area, get rid of the small world path, fill that in. I get it. But I hope it never goes away because just the smell and the idea and the knowledge that you're somewhere that is old, there's something like really charming about knowing that it's I don't know something that makes it more okay in a way mm -hmm. like to be a, an adult and to shed off the cynicism because you know this is a tradition now this is a storied institution of for fantasy. 65 years people have been yeah. riding in these boats right if they've been riding in these boats and for most of that time they've been looking at these miniature buildings and enjoying themselves and if grandpa did it it's okay for you to do it too there's something nice about that it doesn't always have to be the newest latest greatest you can go ride it's funny too because I didn't ride that ride for years and then, like I said, I had a kid, and there was a lot, well, what can we do with a two-year-old? Well, we can go on this, and I'd go back on Casey Jr. again after a while and be like, dang, you know, this is really fun. And I swear to you, the number one time that I, the only time I go to Disneyland for fun that isn't for filming, we, we go at night. We try to go after the fireworks. Mm -hmm. There's no crowd anymore, especially in Fantasyland, when Fantasyland reopens after the fireworks. And Allie and I just go down there, and we just ride Pinocchio, Snow White, sometimes Casey Jr., uh, Mr. Toad, Peter Pan is iffy. Lots of times Peter, people are like, you want to just walk right on Peter Pan? Like, yes, I would. Uh, that's the only one I've ever accepted. People are like, oh, can you skip the line for you? Like, no, I feel like a jerk. Except Peter Pan. Always. Skip that line. You ever get offered to skip the line? Hey, Take you want to make some extra magic for you? Yes. Take it every Take time. It. Yeah, never every, turn it down. Every time. If somebody's in a wheelchair and says, like, you want to join our party for Peter Pitt, just do it. Yes, you, I've no rode that. what. I've rode that ride so many times sitting on the laps of people on wheelchairs. Yeah. I just <laughs> jump right in. I'm like, yeah, I'll take any it's, spot available. It's that, I love that ride. But those dark rides, that, that like, older area of the park, and I mean, even uh, Pinocchio's not even, well, I guess it is old because I'm 37 now, 38 or however old I am. Pinocchio's from 83, so it's not that old, but... That feeling, that like old school, charming, look how simple, but look how fun. I really hope they don't butcher Snow White when they change the ending. I know what's coming. Yeah. And it's going to be great. I, I mean, from everything I hear, I'm like, okay, it's, it's going to be cool. And they've done such a great job with the other ones. Like you, So you wrote Alice in Wonderland before they changed it, right? Before they added the... the effects and all that. They made it my favorite dark ride. Yeah, they land. really upgraded that. Who are you? Yeah. Like that whole scene works better. Yeah. The the only thing that they ruined, which they didn't ruin on purpose, it wasn't their fault, was just the, the little path at the end when you're coming out on the tops of the, you know, the leaves or the vines or whatever. But hey, if you can 
But that's OSHA. That's not Disney. You know, it's not their fault. If you can time it right. They just took away the fear, right? Like, oh. If you can time it right, (laughs) where you hit that outer trail. Yeah. When there's a parade below you. Yes. And. It's one of the best things ever. A monorail going by. Yep. And you can hear people over in Matterhorn at the same time. That's fantastic. That's the Larry. That's probably like my favorite thing ever before they filled in most of the holes in the Matterhorn. Yeah. Uh, when the sky bucket holes were still in there, there were still other big holes in the mountain. And just riding the Matterhorn down as a parade went by. Oh. So every time you hit that side of the mountain, you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, yes. Yeah. So, so cool. I have a heartbreaking. And uh, I love that electrical parade. I don't know what's wrong with me. Everyone's like, after seeing Paint the Night, this whole new generation of Disney kids was like, and then when they brought the real one here, everyone's like, what is this? What is this nonsense? No, man, that. But it was my favorite. I remember Main Street from when I was like four years old, five years old. My mom took me to World, and when I came to Disneyland for the first time as an adult, and we were going to go see a parade, I was waiting to see that. Right. And when it when I didn't see Cinderella's like you know thing lit up, I was like, what's going on? What is this? But I have a heartbreaking Main Street uh, electrical parade story for you. Paint the night really should go to Walt Disney World. It's a great show. It, it really belongs there. It's upscaled. It's huge. It's a great spectacle. I think it would... I don't know why they haven't had it there yet, honestly. So I'm watching Main Street Electrical when it comes back. And I'm watching it, and one of the little spinny bugs comes by. I love those things. And an emerald green light bulb falls off You're of it. You're lying. No way. So I'm, I see the light bulb, and I go, I'm not going to run out and get it now because that's low rent. But as soon as this parade's over with... It stayed there the whole time? Nobody swept it up or anything? No. Oh. Justin, I'm I'm not even watching the parade. I'm watching the light bulb. Dude. I'm watching. I'm thinking... In my mind, I'm already like, okay, I'll get a little deep frame. I'll hang and it. Because you're wondering, too, is anyone else... Did anyone else yeah, see it? Yeah. I'm going to hang it in my office, and everybody's like, what's that? I'm like, that's a light bulb from a parade float at Disneyland. So I'm watching it, and I'm watching it. The last float comes by. The tire goes over it no. and smashes it. <laughs> oh... Dude, because I have... Easy come, someone easy go. Someone gave me a clear one, like when they got rid of the parade for the first time, or one of the many times, actually. They were like, you'd selling them. And so someone gave me one of those. And I don't know. I got rid of it or gave it away to someone else, because it was just a clear light bulb. But if it had been a green one, and I had seen it fall... I, I watched it fall, and I was I was babysitting it with my eyes. I should have sprint and got it. Speaking of things falling, this is just totally off the topic, kind of, but paint the night. Uh, Mickey's eye fell out. <laughs> I assume we're mostly talking to adults here, so we'll yeah, go. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I really try to avoid in my thing always like making Mickey real and everything like that. But his eye fell out, so people don't know. Like in the helmet, those eyes are not like permanently glued in and attached, right? Like they can they can be popped out the lenses. So the the eye falls out right when they're coming out of the gate on Main Street. Oh no! Right at the beginning of the parade, I'm walking into the park right there by the Opera House. I'm coming in. As I'm coming in, I see Mickey's magical mind control machine at the yeah. end of the parade. And I see Mesmerizing Mickey, that he thing. starts dancing. And whoo, dunk, 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 something hits the ground. I look. I notice what it is. I look up. Mickey's already got his hand over his eye. He does the... In- so I'm I'm riveted, right? And of course, they grab the eyeball before I could grab it. Because I at first, I had that thought. I'm like, oh my gosh. If nobody saw that, I'm grabbing it. But everybody saw it. Yeah. I followed that float through the whole park, the entire park, the entire park. Mickey's dancing. He's putting on the best show of his life. He's got his eye covered. I want to know who Mickey's friend was that day, right? And just like give him the biggest high five. Still to this day, I wonder who was there on that float that was, dude, the whole show. Improvised the whole thing. I covered. 
still doing all these dances with the music, all excited. And everyone's like, why is Mickey covering his eyes? So then you start to see people who didn't see it fall, right? And other parts right. of the park. And they're all grabbing one eye too, like, it's a thing. We're doing the Mickey. It's so crazy. If that's not the definition. Oh, my gosh. If that's not the definition of show business, right. I don't know that's what it is. That's the show must go on right there, dude. Mickey's eyeball. So this is oh. one of my. I'm happy to hear that he went to an eye doctor and got that fixed. Hey, I, from somebody who suffered from a serious <laughs> eye problem, it's not a funny thing. So. This is one of my bizarre Disney fantasies. <laughs> oh, if if I could just sign whatever paperwork Disney wants me to sign, I'll sign everything. Oh, I've started many sentences like this. <laughs> I, I, I will sign everything they want me to sign that says best behavior. Right. Or I'm banned from every park for the rest of my life. Right. Put me in one of the costume characters. Let me just go out onto the stage. I want to know what it's like. To, I'm too tall to be Mickey Mouse, but I would love to know what it's like to be one of those characters for 20 minutes of my life. You know what's funny? I think they do that for all the executives. <sighs> they put them through a little bit of the training, and they put. I think. I think they still do that. They put them out there to know what it's like. That's so they the can Experience that with the kids. If I'm not wrong, I de- I know they definitely used to do that in Michael Eisner's time. They I- definitely used to put the executives and say, "You're going to go and experience what." What kids really think of Goofy or whatever. One of my favorite. Did you read that the Disney War book? I think they talk about it in there. No, but that's. Wouldn't that be fascinating? Oh, amazing! One of my favorite memories is I was there late on a Sunday night. It had kind of rained, then stopped raining, and it was chilly. You know how Sunday nights can be like a gold mine. And I was there by myself. I think I was waiting for somebody to show up. So I'm sitting on the stairs of the uh, Main Street train station, and a, a Mickey Mouse comes out. And he's not doing a meet and greet. He's just... That's the best. He's just wandering around. And he, like, grabs a kid by his hand, and he's, like, escorting a kid around. And then he goes over to the popcorn cart, and he tries to get a free popcorn. And they're like, Mickey, you need money. And he keeps pointing at his face, like, but I'm Mickey Mouse. And they're like, no, Mickey, you got to buy it. So then he goes behind the cart and starts handing people popcorn and just, like, literally watching this... Just giving away free popcorn, but just this free roaming Mickey Mouse. You I know, I still have on my phone like the oldest pictures on my phone. Mm-hmm. I still have pictures of Mickey and Minnie doing that during the Diamond anniversary. Yeah, just coming out on a night. It's probably a Sunday night, just like you're talking about. That's amazing. And this is them in City Hall. They were going in there to City Hall like they were going to get married. So they're like oh. holding each other and they're like asking the people. Oh. They're all following him in there because there's nobody around. Yeah. And they're like asking for papers and then he's like pointing to her finger and she's like, oh, blushing. And like, sorry, Mickey, we don't have any more marriage license today. You'll have to wait. Kind of like, oh, well, they go walking arm in arm together, like all up and down Main Street, all around, going up to people. Dude. And to see people's reaction to that, dude, you see adults like break down. Like, oh. like they're just. Full of like joy and happiness, and like I've I've heard the opposite. I've heard like cynical people. <laughs> oh, get out of here! What the heck? You're just gonna go there and hug some guy in a costume, fuzzy costume? What kind of freak are you? You know, kind of thing. But go there and look at the look at the happiness on people's faces, man. Look at the, the happiness and the joy when Mickey comes out and gives somebody a high five. I don't care how hard you think you are, dude. I've seen full on just freaking stack tat. Tatted up cholos, face tattoos, and all the numbers tattooed everywhere. And freaking Mickey Mouse comes by and gives a high five. Dude, there's the sight. Give me four, dude. Awesome, dude. When it I brings everybody together. When I first went to the park, I was like, I don't. I'm not gonna wear embroidered Winnie the Pooh overalls. I don't care about <laughs> characters. I'm not wearing buttons on my shirt. Dude. 
And I started seeing Mickey in the park. And I started to see Mickey through the children's eyes. Yeah. And there's this thing that I love. There's this thing that we do as adults. Around Christmas time, Santa's a real guy. When you go to Disneyland... Mickey Mouse is a real guy, right. and I've I, because I allow myself to believe in that moment, and I get excited. And I'm like, Mickey, what's up? And I wave at him. Once you can let go of that, that place belongs to your See, heart. And this is what I try and tell people about the real world, though. If you could just do that with the real world, if you could just take a little bit of that imagination and a little bit of that, you know what? I'm going to will this place into being someplace good and awesome and see the good in it and the happiness in it, the whole world would be better. Because the way you feel at Disneyland, when you yeah. walk out of Disneyland, are you yeah. are you your worst self or your best self? You're your best, like most loving, kind. Well, I tell you, you get tired or sore, but you know that there's, there's that. I never get tired there. I but get you know, like that energy. happy feeling yes. there. Imagine if people could extend that out, like that. That let's pretend Santa's real for the kids, and let's you know it's the suspension of disbelief thing. So not to ignore problems in the world or anything, but imagine if pe- I always think if people could take what they get here and take it out in the rest of the world and go, I'm gonna believe people are good, even when I have all the proof in the world that people are bad. I'm gonna believe everybody is good inside and see where that gets you. I feel like it goes such a such a long way. Not to get political because it's our Disney show. Yeah, yeah. But 2017. After the election and there was a travel ban and things started to feel different than they'd ever yeah. felt in America in my lifetime, I made an oath that when I go to Disneyland, I try to become a citizen of Disneyland. Right. I try to be on my best behavior. Right. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Please and thank you. Right. And I just said... Not litter. Not, you know, pick yes. up after yourself. You know, be courteous. All that. Yeah, yeah. And that was when I made an oath to myself. I'm like, in weird and strange times, how about I be a citizen of Disneyland all the time? Yeah. If I can go there for 12 hours That's and, exactly and be a model I mean. citizen, right. then I can do it out on the streets. That's exactly what I mean. And I have to say that the last three years in changing my perspective on how I act around people in public and getting doors for people and trying to be Don't you nice. See, then, they change, then it changes their reaction to you, doesn't it? It's the whole act as if. If you act as if you're happy, everybody treats you like you're happy and yeah. eventually you become happy. And so it, it really has changed my whole world. And the thing that I hate most about mass culture... And and I believe in wearing a mask. I want to be a good citizen yeah. for everybody oh, around me. Mask, mask. Yeah, I am still from Louisville, but um, you can't hear everything I'm saying. But I hate when I go out in the public now that nobody knows I'm smiling at them. That's tough. Right? That breaks my heart. Because I always smile at everybody. Me too. It breaks my heart that all the people in my neighborhood when I walk past you them have with the to dogs. Say it now. Now I've been trying to say like hello. Yeah. Because it makes it easier. It does. Oh, hold on, real quick, Justin. What? We've rode through three times. Can we do Oh, we got to get off? Three times the limit right, on press day. Let's All get right. out. Let's okay. get out. Yeah. So let's do this. Oh, I got wet somehow. It always happens. That's While we're weird. here in Fantasyland, I'm going to give you a dealer's choice. Okay. We can pick whichever path you want to to go through Sleeping Beauty's Castle and head over towards Frontierland or Adventureland. Or since it's on its Obi one year anniversary, we could cruise through the Galaxy's Edge. Which way do you want to get to where we're going? Uh, uh, we can go through Galaxy's Edge. It's fine. I would always say Big Thunder Trail. Wow, that sounds so sad. I like coming to I like coming to Galaxy's Edge when I'm coming for Galaxy's Edge. So you still don't see it as part of the overall? No. You see it as it a never side will. item. I don't think it ever will be. Do you? Really? Do you think it'll ever be like? I think it's just as. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. Do I you just, think they were too successful in removing it from everything else? I don't know if too successful is the right word because it's. I'm that's glad. The, that's the Disney way to like say it. Like when I want to go to Galaxy's Edge, I don't want to 
think about the rest of Disneyland. Really? So you yeah, see it as a separate attraction? Yeah, it's like when I would go on Star Tours yeah. as a kid. I'm talking like the eight-year-old perspective again. I wanted to be in the world of Star Wars so bad, and I could I could use my imagination to get all the way there the whole time I was in Tomorrowland. But the second we stepped back into Main Street, I was like, oh, man, like Star Wars is done. i got to find something else to imagine. So when I want to go to the whole world of I wish they had built a whole Star Wars park. Really? Maybe it's a little bit of regret. I, I'm just not used to the juxtaposition yet, you know. I, I see. I find, but we could go over there. It's 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 good, but it's just ah oh, man. I wish there would have been. A, I wish there had been a whole park, right? There'd been a Hothland and everything. I, I see. I feel like what makes it really successful is those three deep entry points. Like yeah, they, they went for it. Like you go deep in. To get well, to, just to now I just edge. have I just have it's because it's only been here for a year, but I have this conflict. So now I can't just walk through Big Thunder Trail and go, ah, I'm enjoying Big Thunder Trail. Now every time I go there, I'm like, do I go to Star Wars Land? Do I like? It's like when you're eating spaghetti. Like, do you want to eat a taco in the middle of the spaghetti? Because I'm going from Fantasyland over to to Frontierland. So I'm going from spaghetti to a steak. Do I want to eat a taco in the middle and just throw a totally different flavor in here? Or do it like it's a palate thing. For I understand. Me. It's very weird and like a visual palate thing. Like, okay, I'm about to transition to the old west. Do I want to go to the? And then do I come out in a creator country? Where do I? It's a whole thing. It's complicated my routine. That's, That's what, what it has. That's what that it is. is broke your routine. It's more so than me like not liking it or thinking it's part of it. It's just complicated my routine. It's like, yeah. It's like they built a skyscraper in my neighborhood and all of a sudden I'm like I don't know how to feel about. I gotta this walk thing. around this thing. Right. Yeah. I, what I enjoy a lot about Galaxy's Edge... Just I feel like they changed the freeway off-ramps. There's a better analogy. It's like I they change that. which streets all the freeways exit onto. It, what I like about Galaxy's Edge, though, and I predicted this out of the gate, I'm a firm believer that it enhanced everything that it touched. Uh, Rivers of America is made better oh, from yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Big Thunder Trails made better yeah. from it. They definitely... Like, they had a good. They had an excuse. They had to change it to accommodate the land. And they used that to, like, maximum effect. Yeah. And I don't know whether that was fanboys crying. I hope not, because I would hope that that's, like, not ever part of the decision-making process. I would hope it's just a pure motive of, like, plussing the show. But Rivers of America, like, if you watch the time travel episodes that I did, yeah, you I see, did. like, how many animals were there, creatures, how they really tried to make that a big spectacular thing, riding on the Mark Twain back then. Then over the years, the bushes came in, this or that animal broke down, you know. House no longer is uh, burning. Right, PC uh, changes. I'm not saying we're bad or anything, but, you know, but time moves on. Time yeah. cha- times change. So they took out the, the dead Native American cemetery and different stuff like that. So... It's like a sort of bushland back there, right? And then now you've got these waterfalls. You've got the murder beaver down there. There's even a murder beaver Twitter account. (laughs) Chewing on the bridge and the the cabin over there with the keelboat down there uh, again. And, like, you know, the only weird thing, I'll I'll have one only, only one issue with the New Rivers of America is it's really weird that the Native American storyteller is telling the story to nobody up on the cliff instead of down by the village. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a weird placement thing. Like, yeah, it seems like he would be down there. We see him better from the train and all that and from the top of the boat, but it's like, why isn't he down there, you know? Right. It would make sense that he would be with his tribe. It was the only thing that was like, why is, he, is he telling the story to himself, or is he talking to us? Are you talking to them? Who is he talking to? Yeah, I mean, that... That back part of the the Mark Twain. It's awesome now. Oh, Uh, dude, I love riding the train back there now. It's so sick. All the waterfalls and everything. Like, 
Uh, especially because there used to be all these waterfalls at Disneyland Hotel. I don't know if you remember. And they took them all out. And I used to just love walking through there, like, all night. Just walking around these huge waterfalls that they had uh, over by the Frontierland Tower. Yeah, that's going to be where they're putting the new tower yeah, now. Yeah, I love waterfalls, dude. And I am psyched when they put those waterfalls in there. Like, I mean, we're in Anaheim. Where can you go to see a waterfall? Disneyland. That's it. Well, and, you know, awesome. once, once we had seen where the technology was at with how they built out Radiator Springs. Dude, yeah. You knew Galaxy's Edge and Rivers of America was going to get wild. And I was actually looking at some old concept what else did art. What they change? Oh, they changed the Big Thunder Trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was looking at old concept art. I wish they put art. more buildings, though. Like, you know how they have, like, the Postmasters yeah. thing? I wish they had done even more of that, like, expanded Rainbow Ridge out more, but it's all right. It would be cool when you're when we're coming the way that we're coming right now from Fantasyland yeah. on this sort of zagging trail that's going to take us into the First Order part of the village of Black Spire Outpost. Um, it would be cool if there was a couple of little buildings or, like, a little yeah. shop off the side of this path that you could go into. It it's would fine, be though. We can't have everything. Yeah, we can't get it all. <laughs> So over the last year of letting yourself get used to Galaxy's Edge being there, have you found a place in this land to call your own? Have you no. found a, a piece of it? Or That's the other weird thing I think I haven't. And maybe it's because the way they staggered the opening, so Rise opened so much later. So the crowds have sort of been, I don't know, I've never found like that quiet spot that I'm like, yes, this is where I like to post up and hang out right here. But you also had a very intense year as a Disney fan yeah, and as a Disney content creator because you made a ton of videos in the last year. You're always on to the next thing. So I would bet you've probably not even had an afternoon just to kind of wander through there cameraless not many. and get lost. No, not really. Not that I was like, not also... Dude, when I, the rare opportunities for that have also been like, well, this is the day I also have to do 500 other things without the camera, you know? Like, right. It's weird because the 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 plague, <laughs> the virus, the uh, the great calamity has like made me not out filming every day, which has driven me nuts. And then recently, like all the political stuff and everything, I, this is the first time I haven't done anything in in two weeks. I've spent a vacation like a time not having a vacation. I'm just trying to deal with all the other stuff in my life that's backed up trying to make good on the time and i i started thinking about it I was like man i really should i really do need to take more days in the next year to just go back and sit in there and really really appreciate it because it's just like songwriting right like if you don't do any living what are you writing songs about yeah that was writing songs about the life of someone who writes songs boring that, that was a hard thing for me when you know i started a band when i was like 15 and heartbroken and confused right and then when I got to be 24, 25, and my life had settled in, and I was happy. I'm like, what do I write songs about? Right. Now? Like, I don't have, like, I don't have parents tell me I can't do something. Yeah. I don't feel like every adult's telling me I'm wrong. Like, I'm kind of doing okay. I don't know. I mean, I really like to share the excitement of coming around the corner like we did earlier and feasting your eyes on the Matterhorn going, like, wow, look at the size of this thing. Yeah. And when I don't feel that, because I'm like, yeah, I was here yesterday, and some guy stepped on my foot. It's a lot harder. So at this pause in life for everybody's kind of made me realize, like, I really got to, like, practice what I preach. Uh, and I mean to, but, you know, everybody gets carried away in that whole thing of, like, stopping, taking time out, smell the roses, feel it, get excited about it. That's kind of Galaxy's Edge, too, because I was bouncing back and forth like a ping pong to the one in Florida, then back to here. And then it was like, hey, when we go today, we got to do the Droid app thing, or now we got to get reservations for this and that and the other thing. And I haven't had that time yet to like really go Living in it. there and just be like, dude, I'm going to put on my Jedi robe <laughs> and cruise in there, dude. 
I thought we were going to have that night with the uh, Star I, Wars party. That yeah, got canceled. I know. I think when the lines cool down, and I, I mean lines for everything, like the Droid Depot and all that, because even when you go at night and there's no one in Galaxy's Edge and you can get right on the Falcon or something, it's still tough to get in the cantina. I think once I hit a day where I can do everything easily with no camera, it's going to change the whole way I... So I'm not like nostalgic for it yet. Does that make yeah, sense? Like, yeah, no, I get that. People are really attached to it already, and I I feel like I'm not, and I'm like at a disadvantage, but I'm not like attached yet. Well, see, I understand why though. That's why I wanted to break it down because you had such a busy year, and you know, Jared and I, who I started this podcast with, it's like a new friend. Like, are we going to stay friends, or, or am right. I get tired of you? <laughs> we actually took a lot of those late nights we'd get together and we're hanging out when he was doing a signing or we were recording the podcast and we would just go to Disneyland just to go into Galaxy's Edge and I have this series of photos that I took called I should have gone with you guys you would have loved it and the other thing too is because of that like I don't have a lot of people to go with Hmm. who don't like you know who aren't like overly excitedly and focusing on me if I'm there with him right I don't know how to say that in a way that doesn't sound oh, weird oh I understand that but Completely. you know if I go if I say hey this person's offered to go to Disneyland with me and I go with them it usually is that they're like watching me the whole time they're watching yeah. me watch the movie yeah and so I haven't gone to Galaxy's Edge with people who don't give a crap who I am who are like let's just check out the apps or whatever so I can you well, know it'll be me by myself trying to figure out whatever the thing in the app and then people coming up to talk to me. Well, I'm telling you yeah. right now, this spot that we're sitting in, these picnic tables yeah. outside of Docking Bay 7, across from Dock on Doors. I that meatloaf. I hope they bring that meatloaf back. I, you know, one of the things I've been able to discover in this land that's one of its hidden gems is, do you know about the Hope Tree? No. Okay, so where we're sitting right now, next to Dock on Doors, you know, he's got all of his antiques yeah, out on yeah, the street yeah. here, the things he can't fit in the shop. This spire in front of us, this is actually the black spire. Right, I know that, that that's the black spire. That the city's named after. Yeah. But that's dead and decrepit, and inside of it is a tree that's alive, and that's called the hope tree. Really? And it symbolizes new hope. I did not know that. Yeah, that's that's the real hidden See? gem I found. But while we're sitting here... That's the other thing, too. I was so focused on new Star Wars land stuff, right? And covering it and doing all this stuff. I was so focused on when this place was brand new, running around here and all this stuff and learning so many facts about it so quickly to cover them that getting a little burnt out on it and wanting to go do other stuff. I really haven't had time to come back and find out even more stuff and get excited about it. So I'm like, whoo, that was difficult. Let me rest, you know? Well, you know, I want to talk to you about that because over the last 12 weeks, people that do what you and I do for a living we've had that rest right like it's such a weird weird. time to make content and so while we're just sitting here chilling just to sort of explain maybe to the audience what it's like to be someone like you and i that you know our life our story is also our job and it can sound glamorous but it's a very confusing career to have not glamorous right now and i would love to ask you during the pause-demic do you Pause-demic. I like that. Do you felt like you rose to the occasion? Do you felt like you let your community down? Did you do your best job? Because um, I this is what I did while you're thinking. I immediately said, My podcast is my full-time job. I need to be there for this community yeah. during social distancing while people are alone. Because I got a lot of you know, I got a lot of people listen to me, they're like 24, 34. Yeah. And they're in a one-bedroom apartment by themselves. Yeah. So 
Friday is my 100th episode in a row. I've put up a podcast. That's awesome. An hour plus, 100 days in a row this Friday. That's when the streak will end. And I started doing Disneyland for Designers every Wednesday because I wanted to go to Disneyland, and I wanted to take the audience with me to Disneyland. And what Justin did was normally he goes through the park, holds up a camera, and does these really great vlogs, which I'm sure you've seen because he's got a huge audience. But if you haven't seen what he does, he pivoted during the pandemic and started making his time travel, took yeah. archival footage, went back into the park, shot himself in green screen, put himself in there to help tell the story. Justin, those videos were not only great, but they were an enormous amount of time. Do you felt like you got out of those what you put into those? Uh, in terms of money or something, or satisfaction. Like, uh, people watching, no. And money is abstract. Money's abstract in our world. Satisfaction, yes, but yes and no. It's that classic creator thing of like, wow, I did it. But if I'd only had, you know, like <laughs> if I'd only had one more shot of that rare thing, it's very frustrating because the whole project is about like old tourist footage. And if anyone has any, please send it to me because unlike hoarding it like a collector, I'm putting trying to put it to good use. Uh, but copy me on that email. so difficult and hard to sift through all that footage, and I have tons and tons more. It takes so long because you're breaking down. I mean, most 8mm footage is three-minute reels. You have to have hundreds of them to, to get enough clips of whatever the subject is you are. I mean, literally hundreds of them. Oh, I and they're know. they're expensive, and they're really expensive to upgrade into, into HD and all this stuff. And then even then, they're usually out of focus. They're jittery. you got to do all kinds of color correcting, all kinds of stuff. So it takes so long to get eight minutes of Tomorrowland footage, for example, or something like that, and then to put it in any kind of order and figure out how you're going to narrate it, and then figure out, since this is a very behind-the-scenes podcast with you like uh figure out okay how am i narrating this as if we're taking a walk around yes based on the limited stuff i have it's not like i went there and filmed it i cannot control where we go you're doing your job in reverse it is really hard yeah it is really 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 hard i mean you could i i could do it in any easier way right i could just throw them up there in random order and then just voice it over but i'm not doing that i'm but doing no. it clip by clip and what justin did yeah. was he goes by the map yeah, and every it's hard. shot is right into the next I mean, thing. That is the hardest thing. Absolutely, that's hundreds. Dude, that's taken me two, three, no, three years of collecting, three years of, to to have the stuff to do these episodes, and I finally had the time. But then I got like, I think I got a little burnt the last couple weeks, just because it was like so much effort to do those things and try to rush them out. It takes three or four weeks to work on them, so I got three out about a week and a half apart from each other. So people are like, cool, so it's taking you like a week. Like, no, it takes so long. So It's just I had been working on it before the pandemic really even started. Yeah, I had been sort of working on it on the side and working on it little by little for two years. So now it's like, oh, man. So they, they take a long time. And then that on YouTube where people expect something every day and the, the system, the way the whole system, I don't want to use the word algorithm. People use that for all kinds of things that it doesn't mean. But just the way that it works it really rewards you if you're doing stuff every day right versus if you're coming out with something once a month nobody cares so it's it's a little hard but the answer to your other question the, the do you feel like you roast the well, Asian question pause for just a second yeah. I want to I want to bond with you on that okay so, yeah. over on YouTube I've made a couple of like ten, I call them Disneyland stories right 10 minutes long and it was basically I was making an Imagineering story before Disney did right and what I can bond with you about is you have a story that you want to tell, but then you have to comb through the archives. Right. And the amount of time it takes to find footage, yeah. write a script, 
I put a musical score to mine, so I'm trying to like. And then I'm not even really writing a script. I'm I'm sort of still trying to keep it off the cuff, right? But with the right amount of research. So you know what you're going to talk about. So it's about. harder than doing a script because instead of doing the research, writing the script perfectly, because I have to match it to the time I already have, I don't want to slow it too much. I don't want to stop and use still photos too much. I want to keep it off the cuff. Yeah. And then to sound excited the 15th time you've tried to say five seconds worth of stuff in three seconds, it's tough, dude. That's the hard thing because so to, to give all of my videos the, the, <laughs> the Disney emotional punch. Yeah. I, I first make a music bed for the chapters. Oh, yeah. So and then I, smart. I narrate in the bed. And, like, to tell the story of Matterhorn in 45 seconds is near impossible. No, yeah. And there's still one line in there. And I'm like, when the Matterhorn comes down and uses the water to, to like, slow right, it down. Right. And I'm like, and it uses a puddle of water to slow it down and cool its brakes. It's, like, so yeah. fast. <laughs> so when I saw you were doing those... Creator to creator, yeah. I said, wow, what an enormous amount of work. And I thought, I hope he feels happy doing these. The sound is a lot of work, too. Oh, dude, put it, like for this podcast that I do, putting in these sound beds yeah. so that people feel like we're going from land to land, it's an enormous amount of work Recreating that nobody thinks the about. sound from the 50s, too, is so hard. I had to write and like do a bunch of music like just in GarageBand and Logic and stuff. And then muffle it and put it in the background. People are like, no, that's the sound of the thing. He must have just took a sound of the... No, I'm not taking any of Disney sounds. There's a couple times I've used sounds from like a friend's video or my old videos that you couldn't get anywhere else, right? Like lift hill noises and like the exact sound of horns and stuff where I clipped them out of real videos and a couple walkthrough sounds. But I tried to actually get the sound of what it was like then where it didn't have as much area music. Right. And to try to like put the sound for every boat and oh. every Autopia car you see. And, I'm, and I get really obsessive about like quality. Yeah. So I'll spend like a week on just the sound. And then people are like... Oh, how come you haven't done another video? And I know I don't need to. I know I could just whip it out. But then I wouldn't be satisfied. But that's... You and I exist in an interesting spot where the money's the money because it's kind of largely out of our control. Yeah. So there's two levels of happiness. It's do I feel good about it? That's that's check right. number one. I feel good about it. I can stand next to this. I did my job. I can see the progression of me getting better as a storyteller. Which is really all I and really a creator. care about. But then there's the second one of the validation from the audience. That's true. Because oh, yeah, you don't true. want to be a tree falling in the woods. But if I know I did the best that I could ever do and only a few people watch it, which happens all the time actually, because going to Disneyland, probably the most people will watch some of those or like haunts or something, which is basically just me reacting. Not that it's not a lot of work to do those videos the way that I do them. Yeah. If you've ever wa- have you ever watched like me going to Not Scary Farm or something? Insane amounts of work or Universal like t- in the editing. But that'll get like a million views, right? Every time I go to to uh, to Halloween Horror Nights, versus I go to Route 66 and I drove 500 miles that day and just showed like all kinds of stuff that I had spent weeks researching. I'm really passionate about. Worked really hard on something. And maybe 16000 which is still a lot. I'm not complaining, but it's a very... In your scale, though. Right. It's, but to me, I'm still happy with that because I because I know that I work so hard on that that I'm like, let it stand. I'm happy. Even if I don't get the... Even if I don't get the audience validation that I that I would think, you know? I think one of the it's most... It's a never count heads thing. It's like, ah, dang, all right. But the, the validation is like, if five people like, dude, that was amazing... Yeah. Well, you just know you gave somebody something awesome. Right. And even if only five people took it, you're like, five people ate, like, the best meal I ever made. So you're like, all right, I got it. Like, I don't know. 
earlier this year, you went uh, somewhere in the southwest to these ancient uh, Indian Chocolate Canyon. Hold yes. that. Those videos blew my mind because you were so well researched. And it was that interesting. Was my favorite, dude. Tonally, you did a di- you did a different shift. You had a sort of a different delivery, a different yeah. voice. You were very um, European tribute to it. You weren't like being a YouTuber and like taking advantage of history. Like right, right. you were paying tribute. You were giving respect to to how like sacred that land is. Yeah. And I was watching, going, I'm learning so much. <laughs> Like those little dwellings, how yeah, small normally, the doorways yeah. were, the communal living. Normally, I want to show like the fun side of it, right? So when we're here at the park, and it's like, I want to show the fun side of it. People think of lines. I don't want to take my kids there. It's expensive. Okay, well, here's the fun side of it. Look, you can still have, you can be 30 and still have so much fun riding on Big Thunder or whatever. And then the same thing with Route 66, right? Like, no, look, here's this fun gas station. Look, we're out in the middle. No, we can run around and be crazy. So it's showing the bright side of our nation's history with uh, indigenous peoples, which is not always <laughs> the brightest subject, right? But to show the positive side and go, look, the stereotypes that even the best-meaning people have in their heads of just sort of people sitting around on the dirt, which was basically a post-apocalyptic time for them after diseases. But look at those, these civilizations, these amazing ruins. So you it were showing me their a technology sh- that I didn't know yeah, they had. Yeah, it does take a tonal shift though right to talk about that because I want to show the bright side and the positive side and look at this thing but I don't want to like run around like wow yeah you know who didn't show up yeah. Ooh, look at me I'm over here eating this spear you know like right. that yeah, guy didn't show do, up. yeah you don't want to do that because there are people who consider this so sacred and even though all the mysteries haven't been answered and tradition doesn't carry over everything you know for like a lot of uh, for a lot of the like the Pueblo Indians and for a lot of uh, even the Navajo out there who surround Chaco Canyon, even though that wasn't, they don't think mostly their ancestors, they considered that the spirits of the people that were there before are still there. Mm. So even for, for us, like, you know, oh, there's a helicopter. So <laughs> we're there doing a flyover yeah, Disneyland today. awesome. They're, maybe, maybe they're getting some footage. This must be the news because since we're here. But... Uh, we should wave. We might be in the end of yeah. the next soaring over California. <laughs> but it's weird, like, uh, you know, like, for us, it's like, hey, look at these old buildings. Like, if we went to Scotland and we're running around the castle, like, the Scottish people aren't think- that are there in the neighborhood aren't going, like, yes, the soul of my great-grandfather might be in there. Right. Right. So, like, we could run around and play sword fight and be silly all the time. We could do Monty Python skits there. It's cool. But so just trying to keep that stuff in mind is like, it's hard for me because sometimes I want to be silly, but just to go like, okay, you know, this is a, this is a tone it down, a very cool, interesting place. I don't think it's bad to be a quote unquote tourist there. Yeah. Meaning like trying to expose yourself to another culture or to this ancient stuff, but it definitely has to be handled in a different way because it, it impacts people who are there now in this different way, you know, like. That was tough. Yeah. But that just, was a lot of work. That was one of the ones that nobody really watched. But And that's why I wanted to bring it up. Relatively because speaking, you know. Sometimes as a creator, there's something that you're personally fascinated with and you go, is this SEO candy? No. Right. But I feel like I got to do it. I got to tell you, dude, I wish I could film less. I wish I could afford to film one episode a month. I wish I could do one episode a month so that, and it could be an hour long, so that no matter what I was doing could be like that. But look at people that like took months of research, right? And I went specifically for that day. So everything bracketing that day might still be good and fun, but I'm like, ah, if I'd only had more time to research this or that. Or even if it was like once every other week or something. If I but had it could time. be done because if you look at Kevin Perger with the Funkland, yeah. that's a slow posting channel. They, he doesn't put content out like every week. 
and he's got massive numbers. I think there is a. I think if you put out stuff that is such it's a tough. quality, it's just tough when people are used to. It well, that's your time. problem because you were in your high in your yeah. highest pace. How many videos are you putting out? I rely a week? on Patreon, right? I'm not. I don't really try not to rely on AdSense or anything like that. I have a new web store or whatever, which has been going well, but it's. It'll probably be in the black next year if it keeps going well, you know? People don't yeah. really realize how stores work. That's fine. But that's why Patreon's so important for any kind of creator because you can take the time to think something through. Yeah. But then what sucks is, you know, then everyone's going to do that. People who are just putting out knee-jerk garbage stuff, neither consistently nor is it well thought out of research, are asking for the same thing you're asking for. It can be very difficult to distinguish yourself and go, no, no, I... I <laughs> Listen, you're funding something that we're working very hard on, right? Like, if you give your money to PBS, you know what they're going to spend it on. Right. So it's it's a difficult time right now, no matter how you're trying to fund creativity, because there are charlatans. There definitely are charlatans and people who are like, yeah, fund me, and I'm going to buy Lamborghinis with and drive them off a cliff, bro. Like, are we – is it really? You know, like – And somehow some people – again, I kind of want to see that now that I said that, right? So <laughs> I mean, you never know. It's doing well for the Paul brothers, so, I mean, it, it's not yeah, impossible to do that it's a weird that's a weird thing right like support me so i can be more awesome like that that i have a hard time like understanding i guess how that works i'm like but then i see people like um tony his name tony robbins i forget he's a a british guy does it's archaeological documentaries and he's doing them on youtube now and he used to do time team like with bbc and stuff and now he's put his documentaries on youtube and i don't know that he's figured out patreon yet so they're probably figuring out where the heck are we gonna get this money from but right but like i'm like oh man that's way more worth supporting so do you feel like during this moment how are you judging yourself? Because I just have, like, I work Dude, insane hours and I always you, feel guilty that I didn't do enough. I was, I have felt really frustrated that I didn't start a podcast before this happened mm-hmm. because I was like, I wish I had a way that was easier to talk to everybody today. Because the other thing that I was tempted to do, could have done, I saw a lot of people do, and no judgment on anybody else whenever I talk about anybody else, but I did not want to do, like, here I am, I'm going to review everything in my fridge. Yeah. I'm going to show you everything on my shelf. No, I, Here I am. I was like, I've always put out a really high quality show. It's never a vlog. People think it is. They always call it that. It's never, it, It's almost never that, right? Like every once in a while I'll do a vlog where I'm like, all right, I sit in my car. I'm going to update people about whatever. But I try not to do that all the time. And I was like, I just don't want to stoop. Like not stoop to that as if other people who do that are, are any kind of wrong. But I was like, I just don't know that I want to do that. Like my heart's not in going, here's what I'm doing in my living room today. Well, I think a lot of people during this moment that use Disneyland as a crutch. Yeah. Because it's SEO candy. Everybody loves it and you can just... Oh, yeah. You can parks in general. You can be the guy or gal that goes there, holds up a camera and be like, today we're going to look at the 12 pickles that I yeah. found. And, and, and it'll get people to show up. But I really, really, really wanted to avoid... Okay, I couldn't go... Can't, can't go there and do that. Right? For example, just using Disneyland, just using this place as the example of I can't go to the park. I didn't want to sit home and go, I wonder what it'll look like when it does open. I didn't want to do the, like, I hope they bring churros back. Yeah. Or, like, let's speculate on when it's going to reopen. It's like, it's pointless. Let me, I can do the time travel thing. I can work really hard on that. We can delve more into the history. I can give that. So that was, like, the one positive thing I could do with that kind of stuff. 
I think I think we both had a similar strategy. I've been really depressed, man. I gotta be honest. This whole thing's really been super depressing because I need to be busy, and the slow burn type of work where I am working really hard every day, either researching for future stuff or working on the editing, is not my normal kind of thing that keeps me like keeps my sort of anxiety in check. Dude, that's why do you think I did a hundred days in a row? Because yeah. it kept me busy. Yeah. And I say, I oh. envy you, dude. I envy you because. That must be awesome because you had something yes. to be with and on every day. And I've been doing a lot of research, but to not be able to fulfill it or not know when I'm going to be able to fulfill like the filming of the research has been driving me crazy. So for me, <laughs> I say, oh, I know the audience will need this, but yeah. I needed it. And with like doing Disneyland for Designers every Wednesday, it was like I still I go to the park once a week. I still want yeah. to go to the park once a week, and I'm glad that I'm here, and I'm doing it with some, like, my. I wanted to bring on different people that are all professionals yeah. that have made a life That's what I like about out of loving. Thing. But this is the thing that I think you and I did, and, and to kind of explain this to people at home that, that are listening, is that during this moment, I didn't want to add to the noise. I wanted yeah. to do, I, I thought about it because I had a lot of new projects that I wanted to start this year. I kind of put them all on pause. Like, I didn't want to talk, like, I, if you're saying what I think you're saying, it's like, me too. I didn't want to sit and add to the talking about coronavirus. I did when I had to, but right, I... Right, right. But, but I just didn't want to talk every day about that. Yes. Like, and let's I, not talk every day. You could just turn on the news and there it is. And I also, I wanted to talk about how it made freelancers and creative people feel but also what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to make like this subpar living in a bubble content right right that there reminded people that, that they're the, living in a bubble too that the world was falling apart yeah I, that's that's what I didn't want to do and that's why doing Disneyland for designers weekly I, was like really, a safe space for creativity for me I really at first my first thought was because I have you know I can get media credentials very easily it's yeah you've got the difficult. numbers to go and say, I'm going to be the guy that goes outside to let the people in the cave or the bubble know that there's daylight still. And I thought, that'll be my function. But then, as people were more and more rigid about it, more and more scared and stressed out, I was like, this isn't... I'm just going to stay home. Yeah. I'm going to go through what everybody else is going through. I don't want to, like... I got kind of a weird thing of, like, I don't want to, like, think I'm special. Look, you all have to stay home for everybody's safety. But I am so important. I'm going to go out here and... And run around screaming and have a good time. So I was like, look how empty Sunset Boulevard Right. Is. I didn't want to do that. Like, I did it around Disneyland. I did the walk around Disneyland, mostly because I couldn't figure out why no one else had done it. Two, it's in my backyard. My grandma's house is, like, right over there. And you were rewarded, too. A quarter of a million views. I had to. Was it? I didn't even. See? I don't look. <laughs> but I had to go deliver something to somebody over there. I hadn't been out of my house for a week, a solid week. I hadn't gone for a walk, nothing. And I was like, all right, I need to go for a long walk. I should film something anyway. I'm going to be down there, parked over by my friend's house in that neighborhood. I'm, I'm going to do it. So I did the whole walk around the perimeter, and I thought, I'll only have to do this once because it has, spoiler alert, it has not changed no. this entire time. And then I thought, cool, I did it. And then what was so funny, though, is like a few days later, somebody saw that and went, I'm going to fly a helicopter over it or whatever. And so yeah. then nobody cared anymore. They watched that instead. And then everyone's like, did you see the helicopter? Which I, would, I hate. I would love to think. fly drones or helicopters over Disneyland and film it. I hate that. 
I would love something to think, about ruining the magic. Like, don't film inside Mickey's helmet and don't film over the park. I don't know why. I can respect that, and and I'd also I think that you're in the same camp as me. Is uh, conservatively maybe 200 people sent me a link to that. Hey, yeah, thought, thought you'd want to see this. Yeah, on the low side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thought you'd want to see this. Like I saw it. You know, I know what it looks like. It's thank you. <laughs> so, you know, it's a weird. It's a weird moment to do this job, and it's also, uh, I, I think, I'm, what I'm hoping is that the last 12 weeks will let people out on the internet in this time of saturation realize yeah. the content creators that really thought about their audiences and really thought about, like, I have an audience or I want to get an audience. What can I give people? And, you know, it's if you're a, a channel that gives news, that's important because yeah. everybody needs to understand how other people are feeling. And I haven't shied away from my own personal anxiety and how I've dealt with this. But I hope that people will also appreciate those that went far out of their way like you did with your time machine and with what I've tried to do yeah. here yeah. on people that just try to provide a little bit of escapism, a little yeah. bit of normalcy, a little bit of like, hey, for two hours, close your eyes and go with me in a boat right. at Disneyland. And that's why I really didn't want to do like... Let's review how Target brings me deliveries. You know, like yeah. I just wanted to keep. Who gets me a case of water faster? If you came to my channel, even if I couldn't put content out as fast, even if I and I remember thinking this, even if I only do one, even if this first time travel thing takes me the entire time the coronavirus is happening, I I remember thinking I just want people to be able to come back to the channel and what they see is something they would have always got. It's not going to be. Spirit, spirit wise, or whatever. I don't want it to be like you're gonna come here and we're just like here we are suffering together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I wanted it to be consistent. You, I don't know. You didn't do uh, a I didn't countdown want to take of a weird left turn or countdown of my top ten favorite moments that I had. I mean, I thought you know, and people ask me to see that. I'm not dissing it, but I was like, I just don't feel like that's doing my best. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, the fact that, you know, neither one of us did, like, hey, here's my top yeah. ten Disney face masks. Like, nobody wants to right. see that. Right, and, like, if you had to go, even if you had had to stop, right, like, if you're like, all right, I've got, I don't want to recycle anyone that I've interviewed, and I want to do a new format, and you had spent the time for two months researching a new topic to start a second show, I feel like that would have been better time, better spent than if you had gone like every yeah, since I can't get any guests, I'm just gonna it's just me in well, my living room talking about my top ten favorite moments that I've already recorded. Well, you know, Weird. Justin, what I did, uh, and I get that people are trying to make a living. So sure. again, no, that's no shade on no, anybody. Just, it's just I'm talking about my own, you know, my own conscience there. Like you were asking, did you feel like you did your best? It's like yes and no. So I'm trying to do my best without, like, doing something that I think I wouldn't normally do. Well, one of the things that I wanted to focus on during this moment was I, I didn't do interviews with new people for the, for the last 12 weeks. Yeah. I brought on all my friends. Yeah. Because I felt like right now, when you interview somebody... Oh, yeah, you want to support your friends, too. Well, right yeah, too. And, and when you interview somebody, you're trying to tell how amazing their accomplishments are. Right. And I didn't want somebody sitting at home in one of the bleakest moments of their life to that's hear for true, two too. hours how great this person's life is and how it all fell together for this guy. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and so Especially I thought... Especially when so many things are falling apart. Yes. And yeah. so I thought it would be good to focus on the friendship and the camaraderie that we had built over the last six years. How do you think most people have answered that question, though? Like um, whether or not they were able to like keep performing, creating up to like their own standard. Because I feel like for a lot of us, we haven't been able to do what we could do, right? 
It's, it's a different got, time because you got to create with your hands tied behind your back. It's frustrating. But I'm asking you because you've been talking to a lot of creative people. Like, there's got to be a lot of frustrated creators right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that uh, I think, like me, you know, like I've worked my ass off, but I still am second guessing, did I. Did I do it right? You know, because right. it's, it's just a trying and, and it's a pressing moment. I think, though, it, you know what? The good will come out of it is as things unlock and people sort of somewhat go back to normal. Every generation faces these types of things and not just once, multiple times. And this is the first time we really faced one that shut us down at home. Yeah. But I think that prepares me better for like next time. Like if I had to do it over again, I think I would have started like a podcast, whether I would have put it on. I probably would have put it on YouTube, but I would have just made it once a week. Because it's a lot easier than filming, right? You're filming your house when it's full of boxes. And, like, my house, we're doing Let me let you in on a little secret. So my house is a disaster. I cannot film in my house at the moment. Let me let you in on a little secret. Podcasts on YouTube (laughs) sink like a rock. Well, yeah, of course. But I was, like, just thinking, what could I give to the people who were going to watch, you know, as a temporary thing? So I was going to do a vlog. And then I was like, I have nothing to say. I've been sitting on the couch reading about episodes I want to do in the future. And I talk about that, except I don't want to give it away. Right. Especially if I'm not able to do it because this thing extends or whatever. Like, I was doing a bunch of research about, see, I almost said, about a certain historical figure that ties into Disney and all different kinds of content. And I was going to go on this whole road trip and do this whole thing. So I've still been doing more research on that, writing stuff down in notebooks. So I could do, like, probably, like, you know, four vlogs of just sitting at my desk talking about this, this person, the history, the history attached to the history. But then I'm like... Oh, and actually, because of really recent events, there's been a couple of different projects I've kind of shelved over the years because I wasn't sure how to talk about them. But more now than ever, like a couple of different things that have to do with African-American history. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, I'd love to talk about all this research I've done for the past year about this one specific thing. And then I'm like, no, wait, if I talk about it, then by the time I can go to the place and film it, everyone will have already heard what I had to say. So that's the part that's frustrating for me right now. So part of the reason why while we were at Disneyland today, I wanted to talk about how we've each handled the Posdemic as creators. I love Posdemic. Is, and by the way, you, you <laughs> took people back in the past. On, yeah. Over on YouTube, I have built the Avengers e-ticket attraction for Phase 2. Oh, there you go. I fully figured out like <laughs> different ways they could build that, and it has taken an enormous amount of time because I had to figure out how to 3D model to build an attraction. That's awesome. But my question for you is, with looking at the park opening up next month, does, does Disneyland content, does it change on YouTube? Do, do we see it I differently it, after 12 weeks? Of it. You hope there's less? Yeah. I Because I think it started with a few people, and maybe not always, maybe not the best people. The best people aren't always the people who do it first. And then there are some really great people who came and did it, and even people who came and did it and always found new, fresh perspective. But there was also a lot of noise, dude. Agreed. A lot, a lot of bad, horrible, just not interested in making something good, interested in like, if I film here, it will automatically get clicks because of what's in the title or what the content is. And I hope that this has shown a lot of people as they've had time to review different stuff, like where the quality was or where the stuff was, because there was so much noise that I would see new creators even. So I'm not, I'm not even saying this in a self-serving way, but I see people who started something new and they were filming the park or something at the park in this really totally new, different way, whether it was about the food, whether it was about this or that, and they could never cut through because there was so much just bad, here I am! 
Look at how awesome I am. And what I hate about Disneyland uh, video culture is... And a lot of it was pessimistic. This is why I said less of it. So yeah. cut out all of the, like, hating on your, the thing that you love. I do not understand why fans... Dude, if I, if I like, love The Clash, I don't want to watch a... A video about the top 10 things The Clash did wrong. Yeah, 12 what? bad things you didn't know about Joel Strummer. Yeah, five horrible songs from Combat Rock or Sandinista or whatever. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I, I, like, let's talk about the cool stuff. I've tried to make my... Very com- weird. I've tried to make my competitive edge on cover... You know, because I'm a content creator and yeah. I'm a lover of Disney. And if I can overlap those two and make a buck, then I'm fulfilled as a person yeah. and as a creator. And I've tried to make my competitive edge because it is I a business. I like the uh, idea of the Wednesdays here. I like that. Oh, you're welcome anytime. Yeah. But what I've tried to do is I've tried to make... I try to tell the passion that I have for the park and I try to ignore first one, their culture. First one to eat the new churro. First one to ride the new ride. Yeah, first one to dude. get a video up for the new land. First I, one to break the news. And the, the it's like, it sucks because that happens, right? That's become a thing. And people expect me to be there because they love me. They're used to watching me there. If they, and they, do you feel and, a pressure if you're not the first yes, one? Yes, because they do. Because they're like, if you're not there, then you don't care. This mm. is just not true. Like, I, I want to do it. If you go in the, let's take Rise of the Resistance as an example, right? That was a fun experience. I'm glad I did it that first day. I don't know what I, I don't even know why I did it that first. That day. That was one of the single best days fun. I've ever. Because yeah. you know why that day was fun? Because we got on the ride. <laughs> well, the ride was amazing. We got on the ride, but also, didn't it feel like there was a community inside yes, the park it that did. day? It did. It really felt like everyone was in it together that day. It was great. But most of the time, I don't go for the first day of anything because usually it's a mess. Yeah. It's the wor- it's the messiest day, all that stuff. You're not getting the best example of what it's like in a normal operating day. I don't know, man. That's but why you celebrate the 18th. I don't wait for the first video about something new. I wait until someone, somebody that I know is going to do it right goes and does it, who's going to tell me what, what they really think of it and isn't just... This is the problem with media days in a lot of these places. I won't name any specific company or place in particular. Is Having gone to a few of them, when you go... I only report on the positive side of what I see anyways. That's been my whole mission. It's a whole mental health thing. It's a whole long other topic for another day. But there are definitely such a thing as people who are just sucking up because they want that media pass. And then what are those videos going to be from that day? You're not allowed to say anything negative, critical. In fact, they literally give you a list of bullet points of things they want you to say. If you don't say them, you're not going to get invited back. Right. You're not coming back. Which is why there's lots of times I haven't come gotten invited back it wasn't because i said anything negative i wouldn't do that anyway it's because i didn't list the 10 bullet point things that they wanted to sell that i didn't think were interesting yeah you know and that's i don't i don't think we need i don't think we need 800 people doing that is that wrong yeah i mean you know we live in a a time when the technology is so empowering and there's all these platforms and you know it and it's you know, you have the luxury on YouTube that you're one of the first people there and you've really broke through on the other side. I, I have that same luxury with podcasting. I was yeah. able to c- get a crowd when there wasn't so crowded. But I think as we move forward into the future, and the reason why it was so fun to go to Disneyland with you today and to, to, to talk about the park and to talk about this aspect of it, is I would just love to educate my audience on trying to look at the content, not necessarily about what the people are telling you that they're going to tell you, 
But what are they really saying? What are the yeah. agendas and the motives of the channels? Because if it's to make you angry or to make you feel like you're missing out, is that really a friend There's you want to go to Disneyland with? Who film and I mean, yeah. Imagine you spend the day, and I've spent the day at Disneyland with these people. The people who are like. Ugh. Look at the way they cut that bush. They cut it all wrong, and it's stupid. Or look at the way they put this planter over here instead of over there. Dude, when you hang out with a person like that, it just drains you. They're, they are emotional vampires. They suck the soul and the energy right out of you, and I feel like there's a lot of YouTube channels doing that with Disneyland. I don't want to say who they are because I hope they change. Yeah, that's just like I said. They feel, there's so much negativity there, and they, they make you start to feel snarky or superior, and you're feeling superior by extension because they're walking around feeling superior. So then you're like, yes, I'm also superior because I watch this person who feels superior. Right. I just think that's not good for you. It's not even a matter of like I don't like that, so I'm superior. It's a matter of like, gosh, that's such such. You're talking about audience, and like if you feel you did right by your audience, I feel like that is not doing right by your audience because you're feeding them something that's bad for them, right? Right. Cynicism, pessimism, snarkiness, that weird superiority complex. Like, <laughs> did you didn't know exactly how tall the Matterhorn was? <laughs> Do you even Disney? <laughs> you know, <laughs> have you ever been here, bro? That what is that attitude about? It's a place for everyone. It, it's the most welcoming, like inclusive place. Like you're talking about the the balloon story and and bringing people together and the, like the rise of the resistance day. Man, I met people from East LA. I met people. That, I met all kinds of people that day. It was day. so fun. And that it, day. we're shaking hands. We're hugging. Isn't this great, dude? You know, it was like so. That's what Disneyland is about to me. It's like this cool place where everybody comes together. Dude, awesome. Attention Black Spire Outpost. We have ended all training and operations. Thanks for visiting and come back soon. If you want to shop the off-planet vendors, Main Street will remain open for an additional hour. Have a safe journey back to your home planet. Till the Spire. Atención, Black Spire Outpost. Hemos terminado todos los negocios y operaciones. Gracias por su visita y regresen pronto. Si desean realizar compras fuera del planeta, Main Street permanecerá abierta una hora más. Tengan un buen viaje a su planeta de origen. Hasta el pináculo. Question for you as we stand here at the edge of Hungry Bear. Yes, dude, look at this. Adventureland or Frontierland? How do you want to exit today? Dang, dude. As we're cruising along. We got to go all the way out through Adventureland. You're going to go out through Adventureland? I have to get the, the jungle noises around me or else oh. I freak out. But I like Frontierland, dude. I had these quarters in my pocket. I was hoping to go to the shooting gallery, but that'll okay, just have let's to wait for the my... shooting gallery. We no, can we can go this uh, way. We can go this way. Said I just did Frontierland in the time travel episode with Black Bart and everything, dude. So I'm obsessed with Frontierland right now. I think that one of my favorite things about Adventureland... And Did you see that time travel one, the Frontierland one? I've watched every video you've done since mid eighteen. That's awesome. That freaking time, dude. That Frontierland one took a lot of work. Oh, I. It was like one of my favorites, dude. They're so sledding on mud. I can't wait till you see how much more. There would have been two other episodes by now, but something went wrong when we we're converting the footage, and it all has to be redone, and it takes weeks. So it's oh, like, oh, it's really frustrating. One of the things that I like about Adventureland, you know, you and I are students of the park, and we understand how each piece of 
of the history yeah. tells its future. And so when I built Ooh, the when I built well put. when I built the Avengers <laughs> e-ticket attraction, I'm just saying, okay, there's a history here. Everything new is built from its predecessors. And what I love about walking through Adventureland, and you can hear all the birds around us right now, yeah. is these second floors are the prequel for the houses and village of Batu where we were just at. Yeah. Like I was so excited not to necessarily ride the two big attractions, but I wanted to see how they put together that land. And when I walked through it, I'm like, this is 60 years of technology from Adventureland to building this it's area. It's easier to talk about with you. And uh, it's funny because I find myself like not used to talking about it in a sophisticated way. Yeah. I'm usually trying to take that sophisticated concept and break it down so that even a kid that's watching the videos can right. go, look at the way it's all designed. See the theming here? Most kids aren't even aware that there is any theming, and I'm trying to point out, look at how interesting this is. Just like someone pointed out packaging design to me when I was younger, and then I wanted to use Photoshop, and it like, totally changed my whole life and the way I made everything. But... That's that's the whole thing with Disneyland. It's so fascinating. If you're a, if you're a student of film, and you're and you want to look at the way set design changed, and the way that they added motion to cameras, and the way you know that it evolved, you got to watch this movie. Okay, and then you got to cut over to here. You got to get some Kurosawa. You got to jump over to this this filmmaker. When it's music, you got to go from this artist to this artist to this era to this era. When it's Disneyland, you can just walk across the park. Yeah. We took a walk from Galaxy's Edge into Adventureland, and you're seeing fifty plus sixty years of history. Unwinding, you can see the evolution of the design as you take a walk. I mean, that's a, that's there's not many places that you can do that. You can see no. the second story buildings here above the bazaar and those small windows evolving into bad two, which is it seems much more full scale. If it's still, for, I mean, it still must be forced perspective, but it's done in a whole better way. The sounds, the technology, what would those people living in that apartment be doing? How do we get those sounds? I mean, the way that they've evolved that as a concept, I mean, that's. As we get to the hub today. That gets me excited. I mean, it makes me want to create things. I think that's why creative people... Eat. Dude, you don't look like the type of dude that would be like, yeah, I'm going to move move out to the West Coast and then be wearing, be like running around you know, in a Mickey Mouse hat. <laughs> right? But every creative person I know gets sucked in to the park one way or another whether it because because of the movie thing right like you don't watch you're not watching frozen 2 when it comes out you gotta watch one first you're not the first one in line for frozen 2 right but you want but the park is like so sophisticated in terms of in every in every way but especially in terms of design it's like a designer an artist anyone with a creative mind going there is going to find some connection to that place it is one of the greatest living breathing art pieces. It is. It's an art installation. And I see it that way. And as we get to the hub and as we end today's episode, I always like to think this when I'm at the hub. I refer to Sleeping Beauty and Carthay Circle as the bookends of greatness. Ooh. And these two buildings, you know, Carthay Circle is, of is where Snow White would premiere and yeah. Walt's career would start. And then Sleeping Beauty is the final book in that, you know, this park was the last great thing that he did. And I know we've turned his life into a fairy tale, but when you just stand here and you look at all of this and you just think this is the full potential of imagination, working hard. And most importantly, what I think you and I have a bond in is believing in your audience 
and believing that you can take your audience someplace emotional. You make emotional content. I try to make emotional content. That's 100% it. And Dang. hopefully the audience enjoyed this that today. Is very well put. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Justin Scard, you are welcome here anytime, I'll my friend. I'll come back when I am more articulate and more rested. <laughs> <laughs> You've had 12 weeks. Uh, well, I need another 12. <laughs> There you go, friends. Another lap around Walt's original Magic Kingdom. Oh, I hope you had so much fun going out to the park with me today. And I hope that you're not having too much stress worrying about the reopening of Disneyland. Because if I know one thing about Disneyland, when it reopens, it will still be the happiest place on Earth, combined with possibly the safest place on Earth. And I hope that I'll see you there one day soon. Just three more weeks, three more quick weeks, and the magic We'll be back open to me and you. And I hope to see you there. Until the next time we hang out, friends, live the magic every day. And even though we're so close, don't stop believing in the magic. It's everywhere that you look. And as one last thing that we talked about today, why not every day in your life, live it as if you are a citizen of Disneyland.